You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Monday. We're coming to you live from our studios here on South College Street. My name is JJ Jackson. Inside the studio and on the show with me today, I've got good pals Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry, and Cam Berry. We've got birthdays in sports today, a nightly TV guide. It's a Monday, so we'll get to best and worst of the weekend. And a couple of guests on the program as we'll chat with Andy Burcham, the voice of the Auburn Tigers at 3.30. We're going to review this last athletic year and talk about football season right around the corner. Brandon Marcello joins us to talk about conference realignment and more on today's show. Busy weekend in the sports world. Even though it is July, we've still got a lot to discuss, and we're going to do that throughout the next three hours here on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. I was away this past Friday, but a terrific show with Cam and Brant and Ryan, and they did a lot of amazing conference realignment discussions. Talked about the red-hot Atlanta Braves who continued their winning streak. They swept the Washington Nationals, and now tonight open up a humongous series with those division rival New York Mets from Truist Park in Atlanta. NBA Summer League is off and running. We had uh, epic NASCAR races over the weekend. Golf is setting up for the Open Championship a little bit later this week. So several, several, several things that we're going to get into all throughout today's edition of Auburn's First and Auburn's Favorite Sports Talk Show. Gentlemen, how are we? Happy Monday to you guys. Well, I, I'm glad to be back. You know, yeah, I mean, We didn't have a show last Monday, and then I was... Uh, Heading out of town Wednesday, so I've I've been down at the beach. I've been down Man. in the uh, Pensacola Navarre area all weekend, enjoying yeah. a little time away. So that Man. was fun. I'm jealous. Man, it was it was it was a good time. And until later on, and uh, <laughs> when we get into best and the worst of the weekend, we can discuss some of that. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, a great time down there. It caused me not to be able to really keep track with a lot of sports because I was just busy fishing and sightseeing and. Doing all that kind of yeah, beach va- stuff, vacationing, vacationing. Yeah. yeah, I still got to keep up with some stuff. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm really excited about what the Braves are doing right now. Yeah, and now you've added Robinson Cano to it. Um, yes. Yeah, I mean he's not the Robinson Cano of old, old, but I mean he's still a very viable player. He's yeah. going to be starting it's at second base tonight. An extremely service serviceable re- replacement. Right. Uh, you get him from the for the Padre from the Padres for cash consideration. So I mean you don't even have to make a trade yeah. for him, and you get. Uh, a veteran, uh, a very proven veteran in Robinson Cano. Uh, and like I said, he's going to be starting at second today. And, uh, man, the Braves, yeah, the Braves just keep winning. They, yeah. they just keep finding ways to win. Uh, they're, they're getting the blowouts. They're winning the close ones. And now you get the Mets coming in, and what, it's one and a half yeah, games? one and a half behind. One, one and a half behind. If, if Braves can take care of business in this series, the Braves will be leading 
leading that division now. Just about a month or so ago, you never would have thought you'd be. No, in this no, it, no. Well, and not this quick. Not no. not this right, quick. Right, right, right. Because we were thinking about what happened last year. The Braves really struggled up until about the All Star yep. break. Make a post All Star push. Made that post All Star push. Made some, good, some really amazing things at the trade deadline to bring in guys like Jorge Soler and Jock Peterson, and that and that really vaulted them. Yeah. Uh, to where they needed to go. This year, it's happened a lot quicker. I mean, they started out just scuffling along, couldn't do it, and the Mets were just running away with it. And now, all of a sudden, right here before the All-Star break, the Mets have really kind of hit a slide, and the Braves have gotten super red hot and now just trailing uh, by a game and a half, and it was up to double digits uh, about a month or so ago. It was a double-digit deficit for the Braves, and now they've cut it to to one and a half. Yeah, it was was ten and a half on June the 1st, and and now the – they're coming in, and like you said, Tom. They're they're on a freaking roll, and yeah. they're finding ways to just win games. And uh, this Mets series is going to be a big test because I mean, this is arguably the most important series of the season so For far. Sure. Absolutely. Um, and and it's it's really funny to me that you bring in Robinson Cano and you're starting him for the first time, and he is still drawing a paycheck from the Mets. Yeah. So mm, th- that's uh, that that's really funny to me. That's, yeah. Five DHS there from uh, Alex Anthopoulos, but yeah, I, I'm I'm really excited to see what they can do. You, you're going to have a whale of a pitching matchup tonight with Max Fried and Max Scherzer going Max up against Max. each other. That's going to be nasty for sure. Yeah, uh, did you have a good weekend, Brant? I did have a good weekend. Uh, my parents came into town, so I got to spend a day or so with them. Oh, and, nice. Um, I put a grill together, so I have a grill at my place now. <laughs> yeah. So. So uh, do I need I'll, to teach you how to use it. No, no, I, I know how to use a grill. I've never owned a grill, but I do know how to use one. Well, nice. I, my parents have owned one, and I have used theirs before. So yes, I know how to use a grill. Uh, um, Game days at Brant's house. Oh, oh, yeah, spe- speaking of, speaking of grilling and going back to my little beach trip, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I I will be grilling out Wednesday some of the most high priced steak that I've Sweet ever nice. got. So in Pensacola, there's a place called the butcher shop. Yeah. Yep. And shout out to Kevin green and all the guys that run stuff at the butcher shop, but they specialize in Wagyu beef and it's, Oh, so, uh, That's all I, need to I, hear. Dro- I dropped yeah. a little dime. That stuff's like they, they give the cows yeah. massages and stuff yeah. like that while they're still alive. I, I, I dropped a, I dropped a little bit on uh, a couple of, uh, ribeyes that are Australian, uh, Wagyu. That we will be doing. So anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt you, yeah, but you I, mentioned a grill, I, yeah, I and I immediately man. went to. Oh yeah, I've got wagyu steak that I'm going to yeah. cook Wednesday. I I don't know if I'm I'll be dropping like that. I don't know if I'll be dropping <laughs> on wagyu, but I I do plan on uh, putting it putting a few steaks and burgers and there stuff like that together. Atta so boy. yeah, and uh, yeah, I just, game game day at my house is not a bad idea. Yes, sir. It's not a bad idea for sure. Yeah, uh, I had a pretty good weekend. Nice relaxing weekend, really. You know, I've. Um, doing a lot of driving and stuff recently just going to see my girlfriend and all that stuff and driving to atlanta a little bit um but got to uh enjoy some fuzzies tacos yesterday van and i did um how was it uh, really really good their food is really really yeah, good new, um, new uh, taco joint here yes, on South yeah Street. so they open up so it was a, a friends and family thing that van and i went to um because um, Van's girlfriend is a manager, and so we went and enjoyed some tacos and uh, had a couple margaritas. It was really, really good. Um, but they officially open tomorrow. Um, so if anybody's listening and you want to go try some really good tacos, they uh, Fuzzy's Tacos opening on South College is going to be really, really good. Um, but, yeah, just enjoyed a really good and, and relaxing weekend, which 
I needed. I, I was gonna say I was gonna say don't don't let the name disturb you from going there. It, <laughs> it's it's like stinky tacos are a one man. It, tacos it doesn't matter they're if they're nachos fu- if they're, it doesn't if does it doesn't matter if they're fuzzy tacos or <laughs> fuzzy nachos or anything fuzzy it's fine. It's like Stinky's Fish Camp when I was yeah. over there. It's like yeah. it, don't let mm-hmm. the name mess you up from that. So go get you some fuzzy tacos. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I know I'm going. I uh, probably tomorrow. Uh, that sounds. Oh wait, no. It's gonna be not tomorrow. Well, wait. It's gonna be a busy week. Tu- yeah, tomorrow's Tuesday. Yeah, tomorrow's yeah. Tuesday. Tomorrow is yeah. It's it's Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. There, you go. there yeah. we go. So it's it's gonna be a great time. Um, really really good food. So, um, hopefully they'll be, uh, partnering with us at the radio station here at some mm. point soon too. That so, would be yeah. pretty cool. Um, and then yeah, enjoyed you know the Braves getting the sweep against the Nationals, bringing us closer to the uh, dude. They're the terrible. NLEs. Dude, they are bad. The Nationals are they really are really bad. not good. Yeah. So you know what? Hey. Cool. I'll take that yeah. sweep. No, <laughs> yeah. you know that that means they that, they that, won a World Series right. and plummeted. Which, like, if you're gonna Jeez. plummet, it's right. good to do right. do so after winning after. a championship. Right. Yeah. right. Well, the Marlins did the same thing. Yeah. Hey man. Well, and the Royals. Yeah. That, that's the thing. You you have teams and that's the Cubs and yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. The Cubs not, not as bad, but not still. as bad. Put together a championship run and then it all falls apart yeah. right yeah. after the Cubs. Well, see. You're, well, you're see. I look at the I look at the Cubs. The Cubs are more of that. Uh, major uh, powerhouse team of the Major League Baseball that finally got it done. Yeah. What I'm thinking of is, you know, the Nationals, of course, that used to be the Montreal Expos. So you're still thinking about Expos organization. You look at a team like what happened with the Kansas City Royals just a few years ago. You look at a team like the the, uh, the Marlins. It it seems like when those teams that are the lesser thans of Major League Baseball, the small market, the small price tag, they load up for like one big year. Mm Mm-hmm. And they do it, and then they can't afford anything, and so the, everybody goes on their separate ways. So it's like that one big hurrah, and then that's it. Uh, and I think that's what happened with the Nationals. What they they built that thing up to get that World Series, but then they couldn't afford to keep everybody because they are still quote unquote the Montreal Expos, mm-hmm. even though they're in Washington D.C. Um, couldn't afford to keep everybody, so they go their separate ways. Same thing happened with the Marlins when they won a World Series. Same thing happened with the Kansas City Royals a few years ago when they won. Fortunately for the Braves. You don't feel like they're in that situation because uh, Anthopolis has really kind of put them in a situation, especially with the minor league program coming up, that even when you lose guys like Jorge Soler, even when you lose guys like Jock Peterson, uh, even when you lose a guy like Freddie Freeman, unfortunately, you still have guys there. So you don't have to like just wholesale sell everybody off and then try to rebuild it back again. You've still got all your pieces of the puzzle there, and that's what the Braves feel like they're doing right now and making that push for another uh, postseason berth, maybe even another run to the World Series. Yeah, I, I certainly think that it's possible. You know, I, I'm wondering what kind of moves are they going to make at the trade deadline because there's not a whole lot of, of minor league capital that they have to throw around right now. They, right. De- they traded uh, Drew Waters today, and that was kind of the last big-name guy they had. And it, you, You've got to be okay with – giving up Drew Waters there really wasn't a place for him on this team and right. you know you, you've got to think Marcelo Zuna is a guy on the table with Eddie Rosario yeah. coming back yeah. um and, and as good as William Contreras has been in that DH spot I, I just I keep flipping him and Travis back and forth yeah. at, at that DH spot at this point and you know I think you can absolutely afford to do away with uh with um goodness what did I say Ozuna Ozuna, Ozuna. Ozuna yeah. yeah and wonder you know you've you've stocked up on draft picks You've got Marcelo Zuna to trade away. You got to wonder, you know, we've touched on it. 
Alex Anthopoulos is really good at what he does and can't wait to see what moves he makes here towards the trade deadline. And you got yeah. another draft coming up here very yes. shortly. Yeah, so. another draft yes. coming up. Some really, really good Braves talk we have. Uh, up next, we got some birthdays in sports. Follow our sports call host, J.J. Jackson, on Twitter by searching at underscore J.J. underscore Jackson underscore. And follow the show on Twitter by searching at Sports Call AU. Hashtag, is that two words? We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. All right, welcome back into the program. It's Sports Call WTGZ, Tiger 95.9 FM. JJ Jackson here with Tom, Brant, and Cam. Again, on this Monday, got a lot to do on the show. Coming up at 15 minutes, Andy Burcham is the voice of the Auburn Tigers. How does he think the athletic year went for the Tigers in 2021-2022? Uh, what does he think of the football season coming up and more? We'll talk about that with him. And then at 4 o'clock, Brandon Marcello from 24-7 Sports will be a part of the program We'll talk all things college football. A lot of realignment talk. One week away from SEC Media Days. What are the storylines going into the event next week and more? So we'll get to all of that coming up on today's show. For now, as we do each and every day, let's take this amazing opportunity to celebrate some birthdays. It's time for Birthdays in Sports. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. All right, indeed, it is time for today's Birthdays in Sports. Let's get right to it. July 11th, 2022, Rod Strickland is turning 56. The former NBA point guard selected 19th overall in the 1988 draft by the New York Knicks out of DePaul. He also played for the Spurs, Trailblazers, Bullets, Wizards, Heat, Timberwolves, Magic Raptors, and Rockets. The 1998 assist leader in the NBA, Rod Strickland, turns 56. Javi Lopez is turning 45. The former MLB catcher, who played for the Atlanta Braves, Baltimore Orioles, and Boston Red Sox, a three-time All-Star, a 1995 World Series champion with your Atlanta Braves, the 1996 NLCS MVP, 2003 Silver Slugger Award, and a member of the Atlanta Braves Hall of Fame. Javi Lopez turning 45. All-time legend he was pretty, for the Braves. He was pretty good back in his yeah. day. Big fan of his. Big fan of his in that number eight jersey behind the dish. Andre Johnson is 41, the former NFL wide receiver. Selected third overall in the 2003 NFL Draft by the Houston Texans out of Miami. Two-time first-team All-Pro, seven-time Pro Bowler. He also played for the Texans, Colts, and Titans, a 2001 BCS National Champion with the Miami Hurricanes. Andre Johnson is turning 41. I remember him as a Houston Texan being yeah. just a, a monster, just impossible to cover. And he also has the the greatest beatdown yes, in the history of the NFL. That's exactly what I was about to say. Him and Cortland Finnegan. Yep. Pretty baller oh, stuff. Yeah. Which For, is weird because Johnson was like a pretty quiet dude. Yes. Like he didn't talk a lot of trash. He didn't get into any of that. But he he Finnegan. went off on Finnegan. Oh my yeah. gosh. And how quiet he was in the era that he played. A lot of people yes. often overlooked Andre Johnson. One, because 
what the heck are the Texans doing most yeah. times. Yeah. Most of the time. Uh, and then, two, he's so quiet, so you often overlook him. But, man, he was uh, quite he was a, a special very, talent. Very a seven-time yeah. Pro Bowler. Andre Johnson, 41 years old. Patrick Peterson is 32. He's a current quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. Selected fifth overall in the 2011 NFL Draft by the Arizona Cardinals. Out of LSU, three-time first-team All-Pro, eight-time Pro Bowler. He was great in college as well for LSU. Pat Pete is 32. Baller. Baller. Another baller. Hey, he, was honestly. he the first of that long string of LSU defensive backs? Yeah, I think kind so. That, I think he kind of pioneered that. When it, was he the one that Cam drug into the end zone? It is. I think so, yeah. Yes, yeah. he was. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> Two-time first-team All-American. First-team All-SEC. He was an All-SEC corner when Cam Newton did that to him. It absolutely wasn't, was Patrick Peterson. Was Eric Berry at Tennessee at that time, Eric too? Eric Berry yes. was at Tennessee. Yeah. 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 What, a, what a group. No Man, doubt. Right. No doubt. A lot of really skilled defensive backs. That's July 11th, birthdays in sports. Rod Strickland, Javi Lopez, Andre Johnson, Patrick Peterson, all celebrating their birthday today. If it is your birthday... Happy birthday to you. Nothing better than having folks wish you a happy birthday on the day that celebrates you. Without further ado, we get set to uh, welcome in Andy Burcham, the voice of the Auburn Tigers on our radio show here in just a few moments. But we're going to take this chance uh, for the next six or seven minutes to take a phone call. 334-887-3401. As all of our sports call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line, Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Again, 334-887-3401. Locally, we go to the Auburn Bank phone lines right now. And joining us is our good pal, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve now joins us on today's program. Hi, Steve. Good afternoon, everybody. Hello. Hello. Howdy. Okay. Hey, that was a great great conversation uh that was held after my uh fantastic uh call in yesterday on uh, friday about the uh, uh the new realignments and the two uh power conferences which are espn and fox ha ha <laughs> uh, as my son would like to say uh but i know ryan's not there and he makes really excellent points in fact i would suggest to ryan i'll talk to him maybe be on tomorrow that he might want to do an op-ed to uh the local oa news or maybe uh, SI, because he made up some good points. Well, uh, on that uh, point, guys, uh, there's some excellent articles here that address this issue. One of them is on a paywall that I'm not paying for, but maybe you guys um, maybe have access to it. It's from the Washington Post by a columnist by the name of Sally Jenkins. Do you know of her? I do not. Okay. The title of this college football column is called College Football Was Betrayed. Let me refresh it. College football was betrayed by the adults who were supposed to protect it. Uh, it was published on July the 8th. So if anybody has a paywall to get to the article, I'd love to hear you know, what uh, she had to say about that. Sure. But moving on, guys, uh, one of the I, – I think one of the factors or major players that has led to this, to me, fiasco now of these super conferences being and probably eventually uh, – the, the, the done deal is that it could have been stopped early on during last uh, was it December I think when the um, championship committee met or to discuss the expansion of the playoffs from four to eight to twelve was that when it was done guys 
uh, sometime last year around that time, yeah. Well, okay, I recall, but you tell me if you call it differently, guys, that there was opposition, unfortunately, to expanding the playoffs by two of the damn conferences who now are uh, maybe it's going to backfire on them. One was the ACC, and I think the Pac-12 was the other one. Uh, was I wrong on that? Did I recall that correctly? I remember the the conference being in strongest opposition was the SEC because they were already right. getting getting multiple teams in in some years, so they didn't they didn't want to give anyone else a chance. But I, I maybe I I would think that the Pac-12 and the ACC would want it to expand. ACC maybe not, but I would think the Pac-12 would want it because they're not going to get anybody in the top four right now. Because hmm, I I thought I remember reading that uh, Saban and I don't know if well, that uh, he was in favor, supportive of expanding. Uh, to more teams. Was that wrong on that? Right. Well, I can't remember. I, I honestly don't remember what conferences were and were not. That's just where my head is. I just feel okay. like everybody switched sides. I mean, as we <laughs> kind of floated out there, the idea of expansion and everything, I think sometimes you're for it, sometimes you're against it. Same with college football playoffs. Yeah, keep it four, keep it eight, whatever. I think everybody, uh, no, nobody seems to ever be on the same page at the same time. Well, we're not going back the way it used to be. Uh, I think that's damaging and unfortunate in my perspective uh, to the rivalry tradition of uh, college football. But here's another one that's written by uh, Andy Staples. I know you guys know him. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. With the, the Athletic, yeah. Right, he's pretty credible uh, columnist. Very much but so. It's in the Athletic. Uh, and it came out, I guess, over the weekend. I just pulled it up. It's called The Realignment Battle for Number 1 and for Number 3 Comes Down to What? TV Eyeballs. And he has some, it's really, uh, I would recommend to anybody, uh, I don't care who you're a fan of or not, uh, to read this article. It came out July the 8th, and he did some apparently extensive uh, statistics on trying to figure out, you know, why and how these alignments happening and who's included and who's being excluded. Uh, he talks about UCLA, USC, and the markets, and, you know, the, 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 the footprint of all these different uh, teams. Uh, who the conference may or may not want. Well, he said last year, he said we examined the 4 million club. You know who that is? Who's that? Those are the games that he says truly move the needle for television programmers. At this point, he says, the Big Ten and SEC has scooped up most of them. So he wanted to evaluate the following teams, Oregon, Washington, Clemson, and Florida State. And he does it. And how does he do it? Well, apparently... He uses data that comes from Sports Media Watch, where he says John Lewis faithfully compiles ratings every week of the season. So he, went to, he goes into detail. No, I don't have time for this. But when you read this article, it's extremely okay, educational as to how like ESPN, Fox, and the conferences are going to be picking who do they want to include and exclude in the future uh, to join these realignments. So he was looking at teams that cracked a million in terms of uh, TV viewers. Okay. That's going to be important to get the good teams on television, sure. Surprisingly, in the ACC, it's not surprisingly Clemson, but the other ACC team, there's only two of them who match that criteria. It's Florida State, guys. Yeah, I mean, I have won not a national Miami. championship in football within the last State. decade. Florida State's got a good program, typically, and State, uh, gone on, through they, a couple of coaching changes. Crap. Florida State hasn't done crap. And by the way, they just got a darn... Uh, four-star commitment out of our back. Yeah, someone that that chose Florida State over uh, over Auburn, Keldrick Falk. Yeah, can you believe that? And they have 
just as much instability as people are criticizing it, about. That's not true. It stings, but they <laughs> have won true. national championship more recently than Auburn because they took the championship away from Auburn when they defeated them in 2013. Okay. That's what yeah. we're going with? All right. Also, uh, the fact that Brian Harson was kind of publicly ostracized by the university that's currently employing him. Closing okay. thoughts, Steve. we got to get out of here. Okay. All right. Closing thoughts, guys. Guess who rates our office and everybody has been just, I mean, trashing left and right on the website by columnists as a top ten offensive line? Who's that? You know him, and I don't exactly love him that much, and you've had him on your show before. Mr. Phil Steele. No. Okay. Not a big fan uh, of the Auburn offensive line? No, he's he's ranked us as a top ten offensive line, guys. Oh, he is a big fan. Okay. Yes. But I mean he's usually not that you right. know, a glowing. A about, lot of experience uh, back on that offensive line. All right, Steve. I, I bring that up because most people have been trashing our offensive line, have they not? Uh typically. They have been, yes. They they've definitely so got right? him improved, but they're very experienced. So So if we're in the top ten guys, come on, how do we barely um, maybe eke out a six or seven win schedule. Yeah, I mean you got to have more than an offensive line. That offensive line has to produce. You got to have a quarterback making good decisions. We'll see if uh, all that takes place. Steve, good to all hear right. from you. We'll talk tomorrow. Okay. Thank you guys for letting me uh, take a few times out of your day. And uh, with that, I know my time is up. Thank you always for your time. I look forward to hearing Mr. Andy Burcham. By the way, if you please would ask him what are his thoughts, concerns, or not about our lack of commitment so far. I think it's only four that we have, right? Perfect. Good to hear from you, Steve. We'll talk tomorrow. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. That's retired Ward M. Steve joining us there on the Auburn Bank phone line. Let's take a quick break. Andy Bertram joins us after this on Sports Call. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into the program. This is Sports Call on WTGZ Tiger 95.9 FM on a Monday. JJ with Tom, Brant, and Cam all inside our studios here on South College Streets. We want to take this opportunity to go now to our Auburn Bank phone line and bring on a good friend of the program, former host of this very show. He is the current radio play-by-play voice of the Auburn Tigers, our pal Andy Burcham, kind enough to join us. Andy, how are things going for you in your world? The time is greatly appreciated. Thanks for joining us, man. My, my pleasure, JJ, War Eagle gentlemen. Good War to Eagle. be with you on this War pleasant Eagle. Monday afternoon. How's the summer been for you, Andy? It's been busy. Uh, when you you make a trip that, that goes deep into the uh, postseason in baseball, and believe me, I'm not complaining, yeah. you, 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 you tend to lose a little bit of June. Uh, and I'd just as soon have been there for one more week and uh, to see how that Auburn baseball team did. But uh, looking forward to a little time uh, on the road, coming up here, some, uh, some travel time with the family, and then uh, – before we know it, media days next week and the start of practice in August and gearing up for the 2022 season. 
It's going to be a lot of fun, that's for sure. We talk about the uh, athletic year that just came to a close, and as you mentioned, it, it concluded with Auburn baseball there in Omaha. Talking about that baseball team in particular, when you reflect back, they, they won a game at the College World Series. All of a sudden, you know, they, they got to host a regional and dominated the field there. Go all the way out to Corvallis, Oregon, and, and defeat Oregon State in that epic series. I mean, what are you going to remember about this baseball team, Andy? Boy, that's a good question, you know. Um, I will remember two back-to-back series on the road in the regular season and winning those series at Texas A&M and at LSU. And that's, I think, where we got a glimpse of just how good this team could be because A&M ended up in Omaha and LSU uh, came, you know, within a game of winning that regional down at, uh, at Southern Miss. But I, I will never forget hosting that regional at Auburn and the great just the incredible atmosphere at Plainsman Park for the, the three and a half days of that regional. And it's certainly Auburn's play and its offensive explosion. And then one weekend later, going to Oregon State and all the things that worked against Auburn, most of which was Oregon State itself, and it had never lost a, a super regional or a regional championship at home. And the team staying an hour and 15 minutes away from Corvallis and all the things that worked against Auburn. And yet Auburn was the team that came out of the number three seed national seed and advanced to Omaha. And then I'll remember that win against Stanford. Uh, I was there in 97 when Auburn lost those two games to Stanford in that 97 world series. Auburn had been 0 four against Stanford at the college world series before that, but on a blistering hot day in Omaha, Nebraska, it was Auburn that came out victorious. The two games it lost, it lost to two really good teams, the eventual national champ in Ole Miss and a really good Arkansas ball club. But, but those are a couple of the things that I will remember about this Auburn baseball team. Andy, uh, talking about this baseball team, one guy in particular, Sonny Deshera, uh, made a lot of noise, a lot of publicity uh, with his play this year. Uh, it looks like obviously probably going to only have him for the, just this year. Where does he rank in kind of the pantheon of Auburn players that have come through this program? Well, it, it's a one-year deal for him. Yeah, yeah, he's he's gone. I think there's no question that he's gone in the in the draft coming up here in a, in about a week or so. It, it's one of the greatest seasons, single seasons we've ever seen at Auburn, is from an offensive standpoint. When your name is mentioned with or surpassing Frank Thomas. Right. You, you've done something in Auburn baseball, and that's what Sonny DeShera did. He came within one home run of tying the Auburn single-season home run record set by Hunter Morris in 2010. He came within a few walks of tying or breaking Frank Thomas's record for walks in a season. He surpassed Frank Thomas's best season of on-base percentage. I mean, you're talking about the only Hall of Famer in SEC history, and an SEC player of the year, one of only three, which now includes Sonny DeShera's name on that list. So it's one of the great offensive seasons we've ever seen at Auburn. And I, by the way, I thought he was underrated as a first baseman as well. I thought he was very solid as Auburn's first baseman and was really good at scooping it out of the dirt, on especially throws from, from deep in the hole at short and at, and at third base. I, I wish we'd been able to see Sonny D one more year. We all loved his walk-up music. Yeah. 
uh, and uh, but but I'm I'm grateful that we were able to watch Sonny and and have what was truly a, a season to remember for Auburn baseball. And now we're to the point we're talking uh, counting down the hours, counting down the days at this point until the Major League Baseball draft to see where a number of former Tigers on the diamond will be starting their professional baseball playing career. All right, so as we continue to recap the, the year that just ended, Andy we, Andy, we look at the uh, basketball season. We also saw the highest-rated draft pick in Auburn Tigers men's basketball history. What a job Bruce Pearl uh, was able to do with this team winning the SEC championship. What stands out there for you? Well, an SEC championship won. I mean, those haven't come very often for yeah. Auburn, but it's it's the third SEC championship under Bruce Pearl. Two in the regular season and one in the the tournament. So, I mean, no Auburn coach has ever done that at, at Auburn. It was a year where, for a month, Auburn was the best team in basketball and had that number one ranking throughout January and February. And it was a season to watch the greatest freshman in Auburn history in Jabari Smith, and probably the greatest sophomore in Auburn history, yeah. or among the best sophomores in Auburn history in, in Walker Kessler. And both of those guys now were first-round picks. Walker's bounced around a little bit before he actually gets to sign with the team, the Utah Jazz. We've been able to watch Jabari already uh, in the, the summer league out in Las Vegas. Uh, but listen, two first-round picks. For Auburn basketball, and that's along with Sharif Cooper and J.T. Thor two years ago that were in the, that were in the draft, and Isaac Okoro and Chuma Okiki, all of those guys under Bruce Pearl's regime, uh, and so Auburn is becoming one of those programs now that is routinely sending players to the NBA, and you couldn't say that in the past, but that's what Bruce Pearl has done. So those are among the things that I will remember. Uh, about this Auburn basketball team, uh, just the, the winter months, January and February, were just special watching that Auburn team and what it did uh, during that time to get to that number one ranking. And, yes, I think we would all have liked to see Auburn advance further in the NCAA tournament than it did, but it won an SEC regular season championship, and that should never, ever be taken for granted. Andy, tell us about the uh, the women's basketball program. Let's stay there talking hoops, and we just saw the conclusion of the first year of Johnny Harris. That's a program that you obviously were the radio voice of for three-plus decades, and, and to see a new coach come in, a pair of top 25 or, or even exciting victories uh, for that team, what's it like seeing a program uh, really getting excited and, and, and being rejuvenated? Yeah. Well, it, it, the, the thing that, that stands out to me, in spite, in, including – those wins against Georgia Tech on the road and Tennessee at Auburn is the fact that in her first class at Auburn, her first recruiting class, it's a top 15 recruiting class naturally wow. coming in. And that, that's what stands out to me. And listen, in addition to those, those signature wins on the road at Georgia Tech against the former Auburn head coach and Nell Fortner and at home against Tennessee and anytime you beat Tennessee, regardless of where it is, it's a special win. How many games did they come close and just couldn't close the deal this past season? Yeah. That was a much improved team that Auburn fielded a year ago. And I truly believe once you get Romy back, Romy Levy back, and Auburn lost her for the whole season to that torn ACL, you're immediately a better ball club this season. Uh, I, I see nothing but but – success moving forward and continued success for Coach Jay 
and this Auburn women's basketball team. And I look forward to watching them this season. Uh, I, I think this will continue to be a program to be reckoned with. And I would not be at all surprised if, if Britt Bowen doesn't get to call some postseason basketball, whether it's the NCAA tournament or the women's NIT in Coach Jay's second year on the Plains. Should be fun. We're certainly looking forward to that. Again, it's, it's July and we want to move forward, but uh, a moment of reflection here as well with this academic year coming to a close and athletics wrapping up too, Andy. Maybe give us a, a sport or two that don't get sort of the national spotlight or, or even regional spotlight that uh, did amazing things this past season. Who can we highlight here? Uh, athletic well, teams. I, I, you, you, need to, you need to highlight uh, equestrian because it won another SEC championship. Um, and, and, and did so at home, which it had never done. Auburn has won several national championships and SEC championships, but it had never won an SEC championship at home, and Auburn did that. How about the Final Four finish for Auburn women's golf at the NCAA championships this past season? Um, and, and a Final Four finish for Auburn gymnastics, its first ever uh, for, for Auburn. And a great deal of that team now comes back. Uh, for for Coach Grava, good luck getting tickets to Auburn gymnastics <laughs> this coming season. Uh, because, you know, I think a year ago we all knew about Suni Lee, and we and and she had the, the the magical summer at the Olympics. Now the pressure's on Auburn gymnastics. They have made the Final Four. They have almost everybody back this coming season. So how do they deal with those expectations? But that's that's part of it. When you're building a program, you want to get to that point where you're dealing with the expectations, and Auburn Gymnastics will do that. But, again, um, look at what both of the tennis programs did. Auburn men's and women's tennis. Uh, women's tennis got to host and advanced out of their own regional. Men's tennis were in the NCAA tournament for the first time in, in some time. And I think this, uh, in addition to Coach Jay, guys, watch out for Auburn swimming and diving. I think under Ryan Wakamurka, who was, of course, a national champion for Auburn, under David Marsh and his time on the Plains, he continues to build this program uh, back, hopefully, to, to where it was when, when he was a student-athlete at Auburn. I know I'm leaving some folks out there, but those are a couple of the highlights, I believe. Andy, let's look ahead to the future a little bit. Football season coming up not too long from now. You look around the country, a lot of people are not too high on this Auburn football team, but you come into to kind of the, I guess, to the practice field that, you come into Auburn, and it seems like this team has a lot of confidence in itself. These guys all really believe in each other. What do you think is leading to that level of confidence for this football team? Well, let me say this. It doesn't matter what anyone else believes about this team. It's what does this team believe about itself, right? Uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, look, Auburn baseball was not given a chance to make the NCAA tournament, then wasn't even given a chance to host in the NCAA tournament. And when it did host in the NCAA tournament, it was told that it didn't deserve to host. And then, of course, it won that regional and went out to Oregon State where no one gave this team a chance, and it won. So did this team believe? It absolutely did. Does this Auburn football team believe? I believe it does. I certainly know the Auburn head coach in Brian Harson does. And spending some time with him this spring at the, at the various ambush events that he and Coach Pearl um, and Alan Green and President Roberts uh, went to uh, in, the, in the spring. It really doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. What does this team believe? And if you read the comments, especially for the guys that have come back, that had a chance to move on, whether it was the NFL or move on uh, as a pilot for Delta, 
for example. Yeah. <laughs> these guys these guys chose to come back and play for Brian Harson. And I think that says a lot about Coach Harson and his staff as well. Will that translate into wins this fall? We're going to find out. It is a brutal schedule, once again, for Auburn football. I just think it those first five games for Auburn, Mercer, San Jose State, Penn State, Missouri, and LSU, from September 3rd through October 1st, that's where Auburn has to make hay early on. It has to build momentum in those first five games to get ready for Georgia and Ole Miss in back-to-back weeks on the road, home against a very improved and competent Arkansas program out of Mississippi State where you suffered your most heartbreaking loss or to that team that you suffered its most heartbreaking loss a year ago. And then, oh, by the way, Texas a and on the 12th of November, home against Western Kentucky, and then you finish the year on the road in the Iron Bowl. So those first five games are vital, I think, for Auburn as far as momentum and continuing to have confidence for this Auburn team before you get ready to go on the road and you've got three games in a five-week span or three games in a four-game span that all comes on the road between October 8th and November 5th. Andy Burcham, he's the voice of the Auburn Tigers. He's joining us here on the program, getting ready for this football season coming up here in 2022. And as we get set for the second season of Brian Harson, we've seen a couple of staff changes out on the recruiting trail right now. And, and Andy, I know that that's something that so many people in a football-crazed world down here in the SEC are always focusing on what future classes could look like and that sort of thing. Auburn getting off to a bit of a slower start in 2023. As someone who's the voice of the Auburn Tigers fan base, how would you tell them to continue to be optimistic and that uh, good things are still coming for future years of Auburn Tiger football players? Well, there is still time for this class, one. Uh, Would we all like for this class to be ranked higher than it is right now? Yes. Does this staff know that it needs to continue to build with a strong recruiting class? Yes, it does. Um, With regard to the new members on this staff, one, one guy already I think that is starting to make his mark, and this is a guy that never recruited until now, and that's Ike Hilliard, who spent his entire career after he was a terrific wide receiver for the Florida Gators and in the NFL, but spent his entire career as a coach in the NFL. And from all indications, he's already doing it, getting out there and getting after it on the recruiting trail right now. So I think that's very good news for Auburn at this point. We'll just have to wait and see how this class comes together. And I don't want to minimize a strong recruiting class because you have to have it in this league, in this league more than any league in the country. You have to have a strong recruiting class. But that's part, that's a part of your program. How do you develop those players? How do you take, hopefully, those four- and five-star guys, or if not, two- and three-, four-, five-star guys, and how do you develop them over their careers at Auburn? That's one thing I think Brian Harson has always done a very good job at as a head coach, whether it be Boise State or in his time here, his short time here at Auburn, and that is developing the talent that he has. Should I, does that minimize the need for a strong recruiting class? No, it does not. But it is also an indication of this program. How will those players be developed at Auburn? And I think eventually that's going to that's going to also lead to some recruiting classes because folks will be able to see what what those recruits have come in and how they have developed over their time at Auburn. 
Andy, talking about that recruiting, another guy uh, who seems to have – I'm going to get your comments on the mark that he's made, but a guy that has, uh, used to be on the show here with us on Sports Call and has done a great job at Trevon Reed, former Auburn player. Uh, it seems like he's really making a lot of uh, noise on the recruiting trail there for Auburn. Just your thoughts on Trevon Reed and the, and the impact that he has had over there. Well, I, I know at one point when Auburn was down a coach or two, he was allowed to go out and recruit. Yeah, um, You can only have a certain amount of uh, coaches out there recruiting. Whatever role that Trevon has been in, from what I gather, he has succeeded at. And um, I, I think that Auburn is fortunate to have Trevon Reed as part of its program. And in whatever capacity he's a part of, I think he will continue to to be of great benefit to this Auburn football program. It must have been the time he had on Sports Call, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what yeah. we like to say. That's certainly what sure. we like to say. Andy, 54 days until the first football game of the season. 54 days until we get to hear you on the call for some Auburn Tigers football. We certainly do appreciate the time. We'll chat with you as the season continues to get closer. Enjoy the rest of your summer, my friend. My pleasure, guys. Have a great day. War Eagle. War Eagle. Eagle. That's our good pal Andy Burcham. He is the radio play-by-play voice of your Auburn Tigers, and he's joining us there on Sports Call. Terrific stuff. How can that not get you jazzed uh, about this upcoming athletic year? And then also, as we talked about for the first half of that conversation, highlighting how successful this past year was for Auburn Tigers athletics. And Andy Burcham is somebody that keeps up with it better than anybody else. Absolutely. You, you talked about it, or Andy talked about it. This is one of the better seasons in yeah. athletics that Auburn has had in a very long time. Uh, you, you look across the board, basketball had arguably its best season ever. Baseball makes a super deep postseason run. Uh, you, he talked about what the, the golf teams and the tennis teams did, uh, making those huge runs. Uh, softball had a pretty great year um, that you, JJ, were, were following along for most of with. Gymnastics. So, gymnastics. Uh, you, you Final had a, four. Final four, yep. deepest run in, in, in that program's history. You had a national champion in, uh, in, SUNY, in SUNY Lee. And it was – it's there's a lot of optimism moving forward for yes. just about every program yes. that Auburn has. Obviously, football, yep. like we and we touched on it, there may not seem to be a lot of momentum, but those guys are confident. Brian Harson is confident he's doing the right thing, and he's got a team around him that seems to really believe in him. Yeah, and I think uh, that's what you, that's what I was going to say, Brant. With uh, Andy seemed really optimistic with the with the football team and how things are going in that direction, um, giving Harson um, a chance to really build something and and create some sustained success for our program. So that's really exciting to hear. And and, and that's where Auburn's going to have to succeed because as much as we all. Us, us as Auburn fans, as much as we love seeing those smaller sports succeed and everything, the big thing is football. And so in the national scheme, in the national uh, picture, the national uh, – the way people look at Auburn football. is going to be football. Yeah. Uh, and so that has to be successful. Whatever went wrong last year and whatever uh, issues may be going on now, they've got to get those fixed because, yeah, that is that is your big moneymaker. I mean, that's why there is a nearly 100,000 – person seat stadium over there that's why they're on tv every week uh football is the one that has got to go i mean i I, not go but i mean it's got to get going love all the other sports but you gotta at auburn you have to succeed in football no doubt about that speaking of auburn athletics on our website right now the tiger.fm our pound the great ryan lavoie Wrote many, many, many words on the Auburn Athletics year in review. Again, you can read Ryan's thoughts and words. Great stuff on our website, thetiger.fm. 
Alongside Tom Peavy, Brand Daughtry, and Cam Berry, my name is JJ Jackson. When we come back to open up the next hour, Brandon Marcello from 24-7 Sports joins the program. That's coming up next right here on Sports Call. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of our program starts right now on WTGZ, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app, J.J. Brandt, Tom, and Cam from Insider Studios here on South College Street. We hope that everyone is doing well. Enjoyed this past weekend. And uh, what we want to do right now to open up the second hour of our program is go back to our Auburn Bank phone line and bring on a good friend of the program, Brandon Marcello, a national college football reporter for 24-7 Sports, kind enough to join us here on today's show. Brandon, how's your summer been so far, my friend? It's been great. How about you? <laughs> I can't complain. It feels like uh, every day I'm having to look and, and kind of keep up with all the college football news. Uh, conference realignment is such a big topic of conversation right now that we'll get into for sure. But uh, how you been able to keep up with all of it, Brandon? Well, you just uh, wake up every morning and uh, wonder what's going to happen next. It's just uh, that's college sports. It's college football for you. There's absolutely no off season and um, just the way it goes. So you take a look at, obviously, last year, SEC Media Days, the time frame. That's when we saw uh, the big moves for Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC. Now we're seeing USC and UCLA making moves to go join the Big Ten Conference. How did this all come to be, Brandon? Well, uh, money drives everything. Television drives everything. And um, we're at a point now where everybody's trying to position themselves for what the sports are going to look like in 10 to 15 years and what's on the docket financially for them. I think a lot of administrators, a lot of conference folks are thinking well ahead about, you know, uh, is there a potential there where we're going to have to pay players ourselves? How much money are we going to have to be spending? And how can we get as much money as we can right now to these TV rights deals? And for that matter, that filters down, of course, to the individual schools. When you look at UCLA, for example, they're, They've been losing money, um, believe it or not. And so a, a jump to the Big Ten not only helps with that, it, it, it substantially helps with that. So 
you're looking at yourself as a school and how do you better market yourself as a program in a strong conference. And if you're already in a strong conference, you look inward. If you're not in a strong conference, you start looking outward and uh, looking at things and how you project, one, your program going to be, but also how the sport is going to be in 10 to 15 years and how can you best position yourself in that. And so for that matter, it's these schools sitting back, trying to come up with plans and going through intermediaries and through all all these clandestine networks and uh, seeing if it's possible that they can jump to co- other conferences. And listen, there are dozens of schools out there. Um, maybe that's too many, but there's m- many schools. There's a handful of schools out there that have been trying to do the same thing that these others have, USC, UCLA, Texas, and OU, to see if there's any interest uh, in the Big Ten from the Big Ten or SEC. And the reason why you don't hear about those is because they never get along too far. And so we're we're in a spot now where you're seeing the schools that can get that done are getting it done. And USC and UCLA being the latest in a process really for them that only started about you know probably less than two months ago. Brandon, when when all this dust settles and college football is what it is, in 10 or 15 years, what does the landscape of college football look like? I think that it's just a matter of time before these schools, and for that matter probably conferences, are going to have to pay players. You know, call it an employee, you know, employee relationship or whatever you want to call it, employer-employee, but um, that's where we're headed. I think there will be a pay-for-play type of system set up. It's going to be semi-professional. Um, unless Congress steps in and the NCAA somehow, some way, is able to convince Congress that college sports, or for that matter, one individual sport like college football, is a uniquely American enterprise, much like we saw back in 1926 when Major League Baseball, to get away from any uh, litigation uh, for the things they're wanting to do, was able to prove to uh, the government, that they were a unique American enterprise. And in that meeting, that there was nothing else like them. And so the NCAA, for that matter, could probably easily argue, potentially, that college sports in this country is uniquely American because there's no other country on the planet where you see college football and making this much money, or college basketball, or even softball or baseball. But there hasn't been much movement toward that. In fact, I think a lot of people, if you talk to them behind the scenes now, believe that the NCAA is not really probably going to be overseeing college football 10 or 15 years from now. So we're obviously in a big state of change, a big state of flux right now, and that's what everybody's preparing for. They're preparing for the unexpected, but also some of the things that could potentially happen, which is it's almost like every school, every conference for themselves, and so you look out for numero uno, and to do that, you best position yourself to be ready for what might be inevitable, but you don't know about. And you do that by kind of putting as much money in the bank as you can. Curious here, Brandon, when you take a look at college football and college athletics, you're right that that TV and all these money deals do sort of drive the bus. Uh, What, in your opinion, if you were to sort of power rank the TV deals, the TV networks that these conferences have, because they're now to a point where they all have uh, their own networks, and the SEC and the ACC have those ESPN deals in place. I mean, who has the best network package? Um, maybe ES, or I should say the SEC, because it's the strongest package with ESPN, and ESPN's the top dog. Right. The, the thing is now is that college football has been, we talk about it shrinking and also getting bigger. 
I mean, it's two conferences now, really. It's the Fox Conference and the ESPN Conference, and those being the Big Ten and the SEC. Now, that, that's it. I mean, it's it's those two networks, those two conglomerates that pretty much own everything. You know, the SEC on CBS is going away here in the next couple of years. Um, you're seeing now the ACC obviously has this partnership with ESPN. The Pac-12 is now trying to do a loose partnership with the ACC and ESPN where they would get rid of the Pac-12 network, which no one really gets anyway and has been hemorrhaging money for the conference because they own it outright. They don't have a partner, really. And so they're in a spot where they're trying to partner with ESPN to create their own network with the ACC of some sort. What that looks like, no idea yet. So it's the two big dogs. It's Fox, it's ESPN, and then you got some outliers, some you know, Amazon, Apple, and Netflix continue to try and maybe get into it. Netflix, not so much. Apple has been trying to push in there a little bit with the Big Ten. I think the Big Ten, out of all these other conferences, is most likely going to have some type of uh, contract situation where they have multiple deals with multiple partners, whereas the SEC is kind of being shrinking down to the ESPN only, same with ACC, and potentially now the Pac-12 as they try to stay alive and stay afloat. And then you got the Big 12 out there, which is an interesting case because it hasn't been getting talked about a lot because obviously they've been going through a lot of changes. They're going to be adding four schools here in the next couple of years, or next year, I should say. And they could potentially try to add more Pac-12 teams to their conference to become a bigger conference. And yet they don't have a television network of their own. And if they did, they would most likely have to partner with ESPN in doing so. So in the end, when we talk about all this and conference realignment, it's all tied together because in in the end, these TV networks are what's steering this, not not anybody else. They're the ones who need to be uh, clued in on things for things to start happening. And that's why a lot of this news, I mean, none of it really leaks until it's about to happen. I mean, the USC-UCLA stuff did not leak until about nine hours before it became official. And then the you know the Texas OU news leaked almost by accident, based off what I've been told, almost a slip of the tongue by someone who shouldn't have been talking in the first place, and uh, it ended up happening anyway a week later. So we're in a space now where people need to realize that if you hear anything as far as TV deals or teams realigning or whatever, it's all tied together, and there's a reason why you don't hear much about it until it's about to happen, like that day even. And that's because so few people are involved in it, and those few people have a lot at stake and a lot of money at stake, and they're not going to be leaking that out because they leak it out. Uh, it'll become very clear that who, who, who did so. And those type of people are usually school president, network executives of these TV networks, and then maybe one or two board regents. And then people wonder about the athletics director and people in charge with that. Well, athletic directors – are rarely clued in until almost the 11th hour, so about a week or two before they start really get the ball rolling on all this stuff. So that's a little, I guess, behind the scenes to, I know it's a long-winded answer, but it kind of takes you into why this, all this is happening the way it is right now and, and how complicated and how shush-shush it is. And Brandon, when talking about conference realignment, obviously the driving, sport, uh, driving force in all of this is football. But how, how is that going to affect all the other sports that are going along with it, that are doing all this moving, whether it be travel and, and different things like that? How is that going to affect them? 
well, for if you're USC and UCLA, or for that matter, any school the Big Ten is going to be traveling a lot more. There's a lot of uh, systems they're going to have to figure out as far as traveling schedule, trying to group certain road dates together potentially to make travel a little bit easier. But that's the nature of, uh, I guess, the business now, and, and it is a business. We act like it's not, but it is a business, and um, you know they're just going to have to have to figure that all out. Is it good for the students? I don't know. And that's to be argued. The other thing is, is that not not every class necessarily is in person at all times. And as the pandemic showed us, you can still do college, do university stuff over Zoom. And a lot of these kids are going to have to be doing remote work anyway and are already doing so. So um, it's just has just the cost of business. And those those conferences are going to have to figure that all out. And in the end, the, the, the bottom line is the bottom line. I mean, listen, you know, men's golf women's golf that's not making money for you but you have to continue to play it because of title nine and in doing so um they get the benefit of all this other money coming in because of you know uh football and basketball so it's just the way it is Bernie Marcello is our guest today with 24-7 Sports here on our Auburn Bank phone line conference realignment. Such a big topic of conversation. Let me get one more and then uh, we'll kind of shift gears and get you out of here pretty quickly, Brandon. When you take a look at the ACC, we've been mentioning them a good bit. Uh, You look at their football. uh, Notre Dame is kind of the big domino that a lot of people are trying to figure out what their next move could be. They're, They're so sworn to their independence, but playing in the ACC and every other athletic sport that they do, I mean, how safe is the ACC? ACC and how much of an impact uh, could Notre Dame's decision be for them? Well, I think the ACC will stay afloat no matter what. I mean, their their grants of rights contracts with their 14 schools right now is ironclad, and I know a lot of people go, well, there's always way out. Well, there is. And guess what? It would cost anywhere between about $425 million to $500 million, half a billion dollars for a school to leave the ACC and join another conference. That is not happening. Um, unless, of course, you have a broadcast partner like ESPN or something and says, well, it makes more sense for both of us, our parties, that since we both have contracts with ESPN and, or excuse me, with ACC and the SEC, that these schools move to the, AC, the SEC or vice versa. But again, that's just in this day and age, that's still not going to happen. So we're in a spot now where the ACC, those members are going to remain. The only thing that really could change for the ACC is if they were to add members. But they're pinned literally in a corner geographically and also just competitively by the SEC. Any teams that they would want to expand into are SEC teams for that matter. And the SEC teams are just not leaving. I mean, if you're Vanderbilt, why would you leave? And why would anybody want Vanderbilt? So um, the ACC, I don't think, will expand unless Notre Dame says, hey, we want to jump in. And so when you look at the Notre Dame issue, that's one where no one really knows what they, they're going to do. And on a business sense, they're making less money right now from their TV rights deal as an independent than they, are, than they would, say, being in the ACC, or for that matter, in the Big Ten. It's not much less than what they would get paid in the ACC, but it's substantially less than in the Big Ten. So is this a financial decision? Potentially. But... Remember, Notre Dame's TV contract with NBC expires after the 2025 season. So they're about to enter a point here where they're going to take their TV rights out to market and could potentially get a lot more money. They're getting about $15 million a year out of that deal. There's no reason to believe that they can't double that, if not triple it, at least 
going forward. And then also, if Notre Dame were to want to join a conference, contractually they are obligated to have their football program join the ACC. If not, they can pay a buyout. That buyout, by the way, for them is somewhere, I can't remember, somewhere between $100 million and $150 million. So not as big as it would be if they were a full-time member of the ACC with grants of rights, obviously, but still a substantial chunk of change if they were wanting to leave the ACC and those other sports and go to, say, the Big Ten or, for that matter, maybe the SEC. So the Big Ten, they're not really looking to expand, but if Notre Dame is interested, they are going to take them and they will help them in any way they can but Notre Dame's really not in much of a rush to make that decision. Could they make the decision here in the next year or two? Yes, certainly. But this idea that they have to rush and make a decision here in the next few months for whatever reason that's being pushed out there, there's no way that happens. Last question for you, Brandon. We'll let you get out of here. Obviously, we've got SEC Media Days coming up next week. It's something big that happens uh, each year when we're there. The, the league makes decisions for rule changes and, and what could be big rule changes coming up in the sport, the product, on the field. Are you anticipating anything, Brandon, for next week? <laughs> uh, not right now, but I didn't anticipate. No one anticipated what happened last year with OU in Texas. So. <laughs> We'll see. I mean, you just never know. Um, uh, who knows? There might be another conference making news by the time we get there. But I'm, I'm very uh, interested to hear what Greg Sankey's kind of message is that is kind of state of the SEC address there when so much is going on. I know everybody wants to talk about rule changes and the future of the NCAA, but really the, the, the center of the attention here should really be on what are, what are these conferences going to look like in the future because these conferences are the ones who are going to be making up the new rules. I, the NCAA is not going to be involved and really isn't involved at all with college football and major sports. And um, I, I, We're moving to that model where these conferences are going to be enforcing their own legislation and own rules, and it's going to differ from sport to sport and from conference to conference. And I think Greg Sankey, when he does talk to the media, I think he's going to talk a lot about that. But Again, we'll see if anything else happens between now and then. Feels like we're always talking about targeting as well, Brandon. So that's, uh, that's likely yeah. going to come up. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. It was, it was a topic at the SEC spring meetings a few weeks ago even, too. How about that? Well, Brandon, the time is always greatly appreciated. Remind our listeners where they could find your work. Uh, 247sports.com. Awesome. We'll be sure to check you out there, and uh, looking forward to seeing you soon, okay? All right, see you, JJ. All right, that's our buddy Brandon Marcello from 24-7 Sports joining us there on our Auburn Bank phone line. Yeah, I'm always so enthused because conference realignment is such a big topic of conversation, but the SEC cannot implement rule changes until you go to the SEC media days where they have the coordinator of officials, John McDade, or whoever it is, at that position for that year, put them into effect. So there has always been some tweaks to targeting that they're coming on the show to talk about. Uh, And and a few years ago, we had the overtime rule change that was there. You've got to modify rules every single year. Rule changes are coming. I think it's just kind of impossible to predict what those could be. That's well, kind of what they, they, said too. Uh, they need to modify something with the targeting rule to to where you're not kicked out of the entire yeah. game. That it's it's a silly, silly rule that they have as far as that goes. To have so. levels of 
targeting. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. the 15-yard penalty, but kicking a kid out of the game, he's making a right. football play. He's not trying to target him. He's just For making sure. a tackle and things go bad, and now he's kicked out of the game. I, that's just yeah. bad. Yeah. Let's go ahead and we'll take our next commercial break here on the show. Sports Call continues in a moment. J.J. Jackson and the guys want to hear from you. Give them a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Welcome back into the program. This is Sports Call, WTGZ, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app that's available on both Apple and Android devices. Leave us a five-star rating and review if you're listening to us on the Sports Call podcast, wherever you get your podcast, We appreciate it when you do that. 334-887-3401 if you would like to call in and be a part of our program. Already had a conversation with Andy Burcham, the voice of the Auburn Tigers, and moments ago, Brandon Marcello from 24-7 Sports bringing us the latest on conference realignment. And uh, we're setting up a conversation about potential rule changes uh, that we could possibly learn of in the next week or so uh, in regards to SEC football. Let's go to our phone lines. Joining us on the program now is Luke from Alex City. Our pal Luke has called into the show. Hi, Luke. Hey, guys. How's it going? Very well. How are you? Good. Um, Earlier when you guys were talking about expansion and, and which conference was for it and which conference was against it. I believe Steve was right that, uh, if my memory serves, the SEC and, and the Big Ten, for that matter, were more for it, and the Pac-12 and ACC were more against it. And it, I know it flies in the face of convi- conventional wisdom, but if you think about it, the SEC would certainly be for expansion because instead of getting two teams in the playoff, they may get three or four or, God forbid, five. Um, whereas the Pac-12 was probably looking at it like um, we may only get one, and that may just be our conference champion. And I think that was another sticking point was the SEC, for the most part, was anti-automatic qualifiers because if you had done it that way, they probably would have come up with uh, six automatic qualifiers, uh, you know, maybe maybe even more than that. But um, I think the SEC would certainly be against that because – if, for instance, if you have a Pac-12 winner that goes eight and four, which isn't crazy to to say could happen, um, it takes the spot away from an SEC at large that would have much more richly deserved being in there. So uh, I think that's what it comes down to: is the SEC was for expansion because they knew that they're going to get more teams in there. I mean, look, the SEC is one is the only conference that's had more than two teams win a national championship in the last 20 years. Uh, I, I know the it, a couple of other conferences may have had two, like the ACC has had Clemson and Florida State, but um, the SEC has had, what, six uh, right. since 1998? I mean, that's, that's a pretty ridiculous number, and it tells you exactly how good this conference is. And um, 
the SEC and, and the Big Ten realize and know their worth. And uh, it, all conferences are not created equal. And um, I, I think they just decided, hey, look, if we're going to do expansion, we're going to do it the way we want to do it, not the way you want to do it, which forces us to include a team like Boise State or Memphis or, you know, Utah or, or whoever else. And, and I think that was probably the right way to do it. Unfortunately, it comes at the expense of all these traditions that we've come to know and love. How ready are you for this to all be done and just kind of know what the answers are for, for the sport moving forward, Luke? Oh, I'm, I'm really ready for yeah. it. I, just, I don't know I how just much want, longer I, I can keep talking about this. Yeah, I just want to have a foundation. Um, I just want to know what the rules are. Um, and, again, it's, it's kind of like the targeting thing you're talking about. It's still very ambiguous. I mean, it's one targeting rule. Uh, it, excuse me, one targeting penalty seems uh, incredibly, uh, I don't know, mundane. The next one seems atrocious, and it sticks. It just doesn't make any sense to me the way they go back and forth with this targeting stuff, and they have to um, infer intent and, and, and try to figure out what exactly uh, was going on in a player's mind in a split second. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I, I would rather, But that's the same thing with this realignment. I just want to have the teams put where they're supposed to be so we can all go back to enjoying college football instead of this stuff. Now, it makes it, it, makes it a lot more fun in the offseason yeah. to talk about it. But um, at the same time, you know, think about this. Texas and Oklahoma, Oklahoma has, both of them have all these conference championships, right? And USC has more conference championships than anybody in the Pac-12. Well, now you go to the Big Ten and it's like you're hitting the reset button. I mean, it, it's, it's just weird to me to think all of a sudden you're going to say, when you start saying who has the most conference championships in the Big Ten, USC is going to be below Purdue and below Minnesota and below, uh, shoot, all these other teams that have barely been in there. Uh, excuse me, they've been there a long time that aren't very good. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, I just hate the way we're screwing with tradition because probably college football more than any other sport anywhere, including NFL, Major League Baseball, whatever, is built on tradition and, and passion of the fans. Um, and you hate to see that go away, but you, you can't fight progress, right? Amen. Amen. Luke, we appreciate the call. It's good to hear from you today, buddy. All right, guys. Have a good one. All right. That's Luke from Alex City joining us right there on our Auburn Bank phone line. 887-3401. Next caller due up here. Matt from Tallahassee. Our buddy Matt has called into the show. Hi, Matt. What's up? Hello, buddy. Hey, who's it? who else is working with you? We've got Tom, Brant, and Cam. Everybody say hello to Matt for me, please. What's up? What's up, buddy? What's going on, man? Um, How's it going? You're not fired, okay? Awesome. Very good, very good. Let's get to it. Give us a couple of questions, Matt. Hey, oh, well, also, you guys didn't ask this question. Um... Is targeting also called for, like, high school, like in college? Are they doing, like, say in high school, you get the first targeting that they'll play, that player is out, kind of like in college, right? Uh, not at not in the high schools that I have seen, not in the high school that I played in. Um, you were not supposed to hit people in the head. And if you did, it was, uh, I think they I think they called it uh, an unnecessary roughness is usually what they went with or just a personal foul, and it was a 15-yard penalty, but the the player is not kicked out of the game. 
Well, I'm talking about like for this year's high school, like Opelika, Auburn. Uh, I don't, I don't think so. I have not heard that, but I don't know. I'm not sure. Okay, and um, Cam, how how did uh, Javon Smith do in the uh, G League in the summer league? Javon, yeah, uh, he did pretty well in his first game. Um, he had uh, ten points. Um, you know, didn't get a lot of shots in that first game, but in the second game, he put up about sixteen shots. Played really, really well defensively in both games. Um, but uh, it seems, you know, they're letting him kind of find his groove. And he was like that at Auburn as well, where he wasn't exactly comfortable with those first couple games. But by that third game, he really kind of dialed it in and, and um, you know, figured out and just kind of got comfortable. So so look for the third game with the with the Rockets. And, and Jabari should be uh, in a very comfortable zone for him. How did, how did Kessler do? Kessler has not played yet. Uh, he he just signed with Utah's uh, with Utah officially, so hopefully he'll be in, on their summer league roster soon. Okay, hey JJ, do you guys play at Westridge uh, Park for your games? We play at the City of Auburn Softball Complex. Okay, where is that? Cause on the schedule you sent me. Uh huh. It doesn't say where the park's at. Yeah, it's uh, it's right by our radio station. It's off of South College Street. Okay, because my mom says she's not going to let me play right now until we move. Uh-huh. And, but I do have some good news, though. What's your good news for us? Hey, JJ and Tom, Cam, you're going to love this. And it, What's it, up? It, it, hey, Cam, hey, 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 Tom, if I tell you this, I'll mark your money down a little bit. <laughs> All, right. All right, cool. We have some people come look at the house. Uh, on, I think it was like Saturday. Yeah. And moving from R and B. Oh wow! And they came. They talked to our realtor. Brian, uh, his name is Brian Mitchell, and they're entering the house. That's there great news. There, two kids go to Auburn. Well, War Eagle to that. That's great news for you and your family. Yeah. So, JJ, I was going to ask you, um, I know you sent me, I, you, you uh, emailed me the schedule, and I, saw, and I saw you guys' schedule, and I saw you guys won some games and lost some games. Right. But, but I just want to know if you can probably email me the, uh, where you guys play at. Okay, and we'll try to get you set up for next year, okay? Yeah, so uh, I can, like, if you can send me where you guys play at, so I can tell my mom. And uh, I'm going to ask Brooke this. I asked Brooke this. I was going to ask you, could I wear, like, an old jersey where I used to play uh, softball for a church in Kentucky or... You absolutely can't. You absolutely can't. You, you, uh, or, you, we just want you to be as comfortable as possible, buddy. Or, or wear a Braves jersey or something like that. Whatever you'd like. Whatever you like. And we'll get it so set I up can, for next year, okay? Next summer. Can I bring my own bats? Uh, on our teams, when we play in the league, we have to use the bats that the league provides. But, uh, what? but, but, yeah. But does your bats have ASA on it? Uh, I don't believe so. Because the bats I have have ASA on it, if you know what that means. Yeah, very good, very good. But uh, if you can probably, I know you guys have a game, I know you guys have a doubleheader tomorrow night. Correct, Correct. unless it gets so, rained out. 
So I just want to know if you can probably ask the umpires if I like for next year, uh, if I can bring my own bats. They yeah, can, the- they can. Bring- they can they can look at my bats if they want to when yeah. I play next year. I just want to know: Do I have to pay anything to be on your guys' team, or would you guys cover that for me, or how that works? We'll, we'll look into that as next. The, the, we can't answer these questions this far out, buddy. So as next year gets closer, we'll see if we can set something up to get you to come play with us one time. Okay. Hey, hey, hey Cam. What's up? Hey. So they're saying this might be Brian Harson's last year if he doesn't do too good. Do you still think probably ten and one would still be good? Well, ten and one would definitely give him an opportunity to keep his job for sure. I think that would lock him in for for another season or two. Um, but yeah, I mean this is a very big season for Brian Harson, and I think he's got the staff um, to do what he needs to do. Um, Brent and I kind of talked about this. You know, the magic number for wins is probably about seven or eight. Um, and, you know, it just depends on how competitive the team is in those games where we have losses. So um, it is a very big year for him. Uh, I feel like if we do have a losing season, though, um, then we won't see Brian Harson as Auburn's head football coach anymore. As we said, 54 days away, 54 days away from the first Auburn football game of the season. Tom, do me a favor here. Let's lead us in the cheer. We'll start with a countdown. Countdown for us, Tom. Well, here we go. Time to do the cheer. Five, four, three, two, one. Whoa, Eagle. Hey. Beat number 48, 45, 63, 13. Booyah. Ben, we're coming to your field to knock you out. Ben. We're going to knock Saban's say Bye-bye, Saban. Bye-bye, Saban. Hey, All right. Hey, 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 I got one more question for you guys. Hey, um, in Big Cat Weekend, it was like, it was uh, last week, right? No, it's still it's still at the very end of July is when Big Cat Weekend so will has, be. Has anyone from for offensive line uh, going to commit to Auburn for offensive line? We'll know more as uh, as Big Count Weekend nears, buddy. We gotta let you go. Okay, we'll talk well, to you hey, later. You guys win for me. You guys win for me. Hit some long runs. And Tom, behave to, tomorrow night. <laughs> All right, I'll try you to. got it. That's our pal. See you, buddy. War Eagle, War Eagle, Matt from Tallahassee, joining us there on the Auburn Bank phone line. All right, let's go ahead and take our next break in today's show. On the other side of uh, this commercial break, we've got more sports call for you. At WTGZ Tiger ninety five point nine FM. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Brian Harson, head football coach of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. All right, we're moving along here on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Your phone calls always welcome. 334-887-3401 to be a part of Sports Call. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry, Cam Berry. Uh, good show so far. We have already chatted with Andy Bertram, the voice of the Auburn Tigers, and Brandon Marcello from 24-7 Sports. We've enjoyed your phone calls, and uh, we're getting set for college football season. 
54 days away. Did anybody honestly know it was 54 until I looked it up? No. No. I, I saw a thing on Twitter. They are apparently constructing the bathrooms on campus. So you know football's getting oh, close. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw the uh, yeah. those mobile bathrooms yeah. lining South College Street on my way out at lunch. So that yeah, when, so or not South College, but you know down down near the stadium. So yeah. it's it's getting to be that time. Yeah, when it, when they start setting up the porta poopers on campus, <laughs> it's almost <laughs> yeah. football time. You know that is right around the corner, That's and it. football is near. Fifty four days away from Auburn being back inside Jordan Hare Stadium. Uh, which is pretty exciting. It, it feels like yeah. it's taken us a while to get yeah. there. And guess what? 54 days is still a while. We, we still got it's about, uh, it's about two months. It'll zoom less. on by. Yeah, you know, uh, obviously we're not going to have um, a show every single day of those 54 days because there are weekends, yeah. et cetera. Uh, but, you know, using that math, there's still over 100 hours worth of talk time that we still have left to go. Until a football game yeah. Yeah, were maybe. to be played, we're gonna, we're so gonna blink and high school football is going to be here. That's and right, then it's just and then all, it'll be a little yeah, bit closer then it's until just then. Smooth sailing from there, honestly. <laughs> no kidding, no kidding. Uh, let's do this. Let's get ready for uh, as we were mentioning some some rule changes possibly that could be coming. Um, mm. And again, we don't know what could be coming because right. a lot of these rule changes came out of nowhere. It was just two seasons right. ago that uh, it was right after the epic. LSU Texas A&M game that went seven overtimes. God, that, was uh, awesome. that the very that next was, year that they was implemented the, a rule change for overtime. That, that was, was awesome. the best football game Dude. that got played that year, and yes. they said, "Ah, this this was it's bad." Terrible. It would this that's what people wanted. That right. was the most. What's funny about that is that LSU should have won that game in regulation, if anybody right. remembers. Yes. But it ends up going seven overtimes. They end up scoring like a three hundred combined yeah. points or whatever it was. Yeah. It, but that game was awesome, and they should have just. They should have let that stay, and instead they go to this Mickey Mouse two-point conversion thing. I yeah. I hate the new overtime. And it still went – last year they had that, and I think there was a game that went into four or five Yeah, there was – it, it was, I, it it was, was UCLA Pence. and somebody, I think, but it, it, I, I it can't was, remember who it was. it was but, Penn State and – I'm going to look it up. I think you're right. I think it was Penn State, not UCLA, but it was – <laughs> what was funny about that one is that they went back and forth and they made it to like the fifth overtime before someone actually had a successful try. <laughs> Illinois beat Penn number seven Penn State after nine overtimes. Yep. So yeah. what what really improved? At nothing, this point? nothing improved. The game the, only, just, the game took longer than I think seven traditional yes, overtimes. And the would only have. thing that changed was how many points was scored. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would rather have the traditional yes, overtime format. I, this does not work. It's not as good. It's boring. It's not as fun. Yeah. It's boring. And, I mean, I, yeah, how can you tell, like, you can't tell who's the better team nope. based off of a two-point shootout. No. Let them draw it up 20 yards out, like 25 yards out like they yeah. do every time. I want to see a game lost because of a missed field goal from yeah, 35 field. yards away. Yeah. Not because of a failed two-point not, play. Not because of a failed right. two-point play. Yeah. I'm there. I'm with you. And, and, and when you think about the seven-overtime game, that kind of – really push forward this yeah. deal. That game was awesome. It was incredible. And you never see seven overtime games yeah. in the first place. Like even even when overtime rules were the way they were, it's so rare that you were even getting to the seventh yeah. overtime in the first place. See, I mean you you would get two, maybe three. Saw. If, if but I mean it, most teams played in one overtime game every like I guess year and a half, I guess would be the average on that, but I mean it I was what, what was the longest overtime up until that seven overtime? It was Auburn and Arkansas going I, to four, four wasn't yes, it? Yes, I was at that game. That's exactly what I was Where about to say. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I mean, and, and no one had a in problem Fayetteville? with that. No, I was. No, no, no. 
That then Auburn had a Auburn had a game where we went to multiple overtimes at home. I just can't remember. It was a red, it was Auburn was and it Arkansas Jackson, in like oh, we, we no, took no, Jacksonville no, State to overtime. That Jacksonville State yes. game, but it, that one I was, was also yeah, at that game. Arkansas that game, that game, sorry. was four overtimes in Fayetteville, no, no, no. and Auburn not ultimately that one. lost that game. No, no, no. I don't know Auburn went to four overtimes what? in Arkansas in 2016. Was oh, that? Geez. Yeah. What was the 2015 2016? What, what am I thinking? It was the Georgia game. It was the uh, that was the first overtime game in SEC history that I'm thinking of. Yes. It was Auburn and Georgia, and that went to three. Oh geez. If I'm remembering correctly, Why that was Auburn, around Auburn's that time. Been in a lot of deep overtime. Games. Yeah, Auburn has gone to a lot of deep overtime. <laughs> More games. than I guess we'd like to think. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm over here confusing an Arkansas game. I know that Auburn lost that Georgia Bill. game. I can't remember if they won that Arkansas game or not. Oh, I know that man. the only overtime win that I can think of Auburn having is Clemson in 2010. 2010, yeah, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, that was the that was like the first. That's that, the that only, was, say that for me one more time. I'm sorry. Uh, the only Auburn time the the only Auburn time the only overtime win that I can think of Auburn having off the top of my head is Clemson in tw- in 2010. Well, in Jacksonville State and Jacksonville as well. State, yes. which I have done my best to push that memory oh, from man, my head entirely. Dude, that game was terrible. That, was, that team uh, was terrible. Dude, shout out to Sean Coleman for getting away with <laughs> choking a dude on that last play. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he, he got away with a massive Dude, hold. Was, oh, but, uh, you know, oh, who man. was it? Was that Rod Thomas who caught that touchdown? Oh, man. Man, I, I can't remember. Was I, can't running back, I, I think I've was, tried to erase. This was 2015, right? Yeah, I've tried yes. to erase that game out of my memory. Yeah, I, 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 I want to say it was Rock Thomas who caught oh, that man, touchdown. Oh, man, I was in the student section for that game. Racy on. Oh. Man, I was so high on him. Oh, man. Him and Jeremy Johnson in the same backfield. Gosh, man. I'm, I'm looking at the Throwing a Duke Williams. Peyton Barber was the final stud. score of the seven overtime game was 74 72 in 2018. That was That's an awesome. epic score. 74 72. I'm a big fan of like good defensive games. Melvin Ray, thank Melvin you. Melvin Ray, thank you. Shout out to yeah, Austin. Austin Scott. Melvin Ray. Arkansas has been in two seven overtime Melvin SEC Ray. games before. Jeez. I was trying to figure out how long that took. Um, and uh, five hours and seven minutes to play Good. seven overtimes. Yeah, it like could be a little yes. bit longer, but uh, nonetheless, that is still oh, so long, so very so long. long. I couldn't imagine being the broadcaster. So that. very long, yeah. Or like over if, five hours long. Like yeah, like if if, if uh, like when we have to be here for for football games for the board, right? So to be here early and so late. many people behind the scenes oh and the hours they put in, right? Oh. Man, stadium workers, grind, whatever it may be. That's, that's, that's such a long time to be there in venue. So, uh, yeah, overtime was another big rule change. We've seen the targeting um, rule change. You guys were talking in the break. I mean, yeah. catch, what's a catch? Yeah, mm-hmm. right, right. So, like, what I was saying um, while we were on a break was you could have a – almost like basketball, you could have a flagrant run, flag, flagrant two. So, basically, a targeting one, targeting two, maybe um, – and then, you know, from there you kind of decipher: was the player having mal- malicious intent? Was there a football move involved? Brant brought up the point of what is a football move. Um, different things like that could definitely play a part because, you know, like Tom said, you don't want to have these players getting thrown out for every single thing, and obviously not every targeting is going to be on purpose. Um, you know, some guys are still trying to learn how to tackle pop- properly, and, and different things like that uh, play a part in it. Um, but I agree; I don't want to see these players thrown out every single time. You know, just because they're trying to make a good hit, um, and you know, it acts—they accidentally collide helmets. 
Um, so that that's something that could maybe uh, the SEC or, or whoever makes the rules could could look into for sure. Player, player safety is always yeah. a, a big thing that people want right. to look at Definitely. when it comes to that. And so that's, uh, that's where you kind of start that conversation. Okay, how can we make this game as safe as possible and then kind of go from there, right? Player safety has got to be yeah. where it starts. So, uh, again, we'll be at SEC Media Days next week, and, and the coordinator of officials is always one to join the show. Tom, we've we've greatly enjoyed oh, those yeah. conversations that we've had because it's always some rule that all of a sudden we've got to be bringing up. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 unfortunately that whole targeting thing has not been one that has been brought up. Well, we, it's brought up, but it's not, nothing has been done about it. So, uh, well, we're one week away. We'll see what the changes are what – uh, if there are going to be any changes, I mean, obviously there needs to be some stuff done, but it always seems like uh, they talk about rule changes and everybody gets jacked up. It's like, here we go, you know, something big, earth shatter is going to happen, and then it's some random no. something. And you're like, yeah, okay. It's like I didn't even know that was a rule, this and you're going to choose what we like asked yeah, for. <laughs> this is not what we wanted. Like I didn't even know this rule yeah, existed. Yeah. It's like, oh goodness, you, oh players can't have a towel tucked in their pants anymore. I'm like what? <laughs> I mean. Goodness. So, yeah. Then we need some like big rules. earth-shattering changes. I'm looking back. I was really trying to remember what the extra one was. Uh, but the other big point of emphasis last year by the SEC Football Rules Committee guys uh, that went into effect this season was players faking injuries ah, yeah. Yeah. to, yeah. to yeah. slow down the clock. That was Tom a huge conversation sure. that we had last Fake year breaking. with officials. Yeah. Can't be doing that. So my dad called. Can't him. be doing that. Fake breaking. Fake breaking. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, that's pretty infuriating. Yeah, Brant, when you're trying to watch a, a game and then homeboy wants to. It just, is. Ah, uh, oh, I remember in in 2013, Gus Malzahn came in with the hurry up no huddle, and it was the new thing. People weren't doing it yet, and that I think it was Arkansas in 2014 who first started doing that. Right. Uh, and it was it, it was maddening. It was awful, and um. You know, it's just gotten worse and worse. And they, they finally did do something about it. And then Ole Miss did it to Auburn like ah, seven yes, times this past year. And, that. Yep. You know, Auburn. What's funny about that is that the teams that typically did that ended up losing, I've noticed. Yeah. Uh, and it's usually because it doesn't really help. Like, very rarely does it actually stop the offense. I will say that one time uh, Auburn was playing Arkansas in Fayetteville. Arkansas's offense was on the move. This was during – this was – um. The Chad uh, Chad Morris yeah. was the head coach at the time, so they were still running that kind of hurry-up offense. I can't remember who it was. It was a backup linebacker who I think he was the kid who ended up trying to play safety in the NFL. I can't remember his name. The dude who looked really old. The Anthony dude, Swain. Anthony Swain. Thank you. That's not the dude who looked really old, but it was Anthony Swain that did it. But he goes down in the end zone, and then Auburn ends up holding to a field goal. It was, it was, a, it was a weird kind of... It was a weird kind of like, well, I hate that we did yeah. that, but it's it worked. Probably, yeah, it it's worked. It's good that we did that. There. It's one of a yeah. few times I've actually seen it work. So, football, we'll see, uh, we'll see football what football is coming. 2019, a big change that was discussed was totally eliminated, totally eliminating blindside blocks yeah. on kickoffs because kickoffs Boo. are oh, um, incredibly, incredibly dangerous. Ear hole the kid. Uh, we've reached the end of the second hour. I've been on kickoff Ear coverage. Hole. It's fine. Of note from Ken Rosenthal moments ago, Braves outfielder Ronald Acuna Jr. has announced on his Instagram page that he 
will participate in the Home Run Derby. Yeah. Let's go. Ronald Acuna Jr. Ronnie. will participate in the Home Run Derby. Speaking of the Atlanta Braves, they have a humongous series coming up this weekend, or this week right now, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, with the New York Mets. We'll talk about that and more in our final hour of Sports Call. Alongside Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry, and Cam Berry, my name is J.J. Jackson. Two hours in the books, and we're rolling. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call getting started. Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry, and Cam Berry. We hope that you're doing well on this fine Monday. Still to come in the final hour of our show, we will have our best and worst of the weekend, a nightly TV guide, and more. As we do to start every third hour, we've already finished the first two hours of Sports Call today. <sighs> Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? It's now time for the Daily Show Recap. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? Five o'clock's here. It's been two hours of Sports Call already today on Monday, July 11th, 2022. Tom, our Daily Show Recap, what all has been accomplished on our show so far? Uh, we talked a little bit about everything. Uh, we had Andy Birchmon in the first hour and got to talk a lot about uh, kind of a review of Auburn as a whole, the athletic calendar year, about baseball, football, basketball, gymnastics, and just everything that was good with Auburn. And then, uh, then we had Brandon Marcello on, talked a lot about uh, the upcoming college football season and possible rules changes and everything about SEC Media Days coming up next week. Uh, we've done realignment realignment yeah a lot of the realignment talk uh, we've talked some atlanta braves we've uh chit chatted about a lot of different stuff but i think the main thing is uh is andy bertram in the first hour and then brandon marcello and uh you know some great conversations with those two guys and then of course um, some callers that we've had that uh you know, I've had a great uh, great discussion here over the uh, show for the last two hours. No kidding. You could be a part two of the show hours. yourself. Giving us a call, 334-887-3401. We take all of your phone calls, and we'll do that now as we go to Panama City Beach. And Scott has called into the show. Hello, Scott. Hey, man, what's up? I just wanted to give you a call. Um, I'm driving from Panama City to Atlanta, Georgia. I went to Troy. Um, Troy Trojan graduate. Got my master's at Florida, so uh, growing up in Florida, UF alum, just wanted to get your take on Napier, what you guys think he's going to accomplish down there after the 
clown shows that we've had the last three coaches at UF. Uh, just would love your opinion because uh, you hear the, the national guys, and uh, I'm, it's just getting annoying to listen to them. So I'll take it off the air. Uh, love your show. But every time I drive through, I try to pick it up. And uh, go Bravos tonight. You guys have a great day. We appreciate yeah, it. How cool. about that? How about cool that? to hear from, New guy. Uh, from Scott. Yeah. New yeah. guys are great. Uh, give us a call again sometime, Scott. Yeah. 334-887-3401. Shout out to the Troy Trojans doing big things <laughs> in the Sun Belt. That's right. Uh, Absolutely. And, and then the Florida Gators. They've got Billy Napier as a head coach. Uh, there was word last week or two weeks ago that the one and only Paul Feinbaum said that similar things look like pre-Saban Alabama with the start of the Billy Napier tenure. A high praise wow. from Mr. Feinbaum on the Florida Gators. So let's talk. What, what do we think about uh, Scott's Gators going in to 2022? Well, you know, and I, I obviously all eyes right now in the East are on Georgia and Tennessee, but I think that's where you get dangerous when you have a, a, a team like Florida. They, they haven't dropped off. They're bringing in top talent. Billy Napier is a, is a guy that you know can coach football. They're he's bringing, a winner. Yeah, he's a winner. They're bringing in recruits, and right now I think that's where dangerous teams, and that's where I look at with a, a team like Auburn – that has so much potential. Florida has so much potential, and they feel like they're a team that's not being looked at in the East because everybody is looking at obviously Georgia because that's the defending champions, and then Tennessee because they've just been rocketing up the recruiting boards. But everybody seems seems to be forgetting about Florida right there, and I think that's where it gets dangerous because they they can sneak up on you when you're least expecting it. And I yeah, Billy Napier is a winner. And they're getting great players at Florida, so don't don't count out the Gators in any sort of way. And, and it's, it's dangerous when you start trying to overlook people like that. I think anytime you have a quarterback that's good, you're going to be a threat. Yeah. Anthony Richardson is really, really the good. I, I was the I was truth. very, very confused with the way that Dan Mullen used that that quarterback room oh, gosh, last year. And dude. I tell you what, AR the, fifteen was clearly the better quarterback. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> AR fifteen. Uh, he's he's a he's a great quarterback. And you know, I I said in the beginning of the year that I didn't love Dan Mullen that much, and I got a little blowback from that. And then immediately he was fired afterwards. So what a call. So yeah, you know, some some that that kind of worked out. So I was a. I, I was a big fan of the way they handled that, but I I, I really do uh, I think that Billy Napier is a good coach. I know that when I know that when uh, when he was in Houston, uh, he was a big time winner. He was at Houston, right? I'm not making that up. Uh, Billy, yes, no. uh, Louisiana. 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 Louisiana, 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 same color scheme. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I was a big fan of uh, his teams at Louisiana. They, oh, they have yeah. a long tradition of success there, and I think that he's uh, I, I think that he's got a real shot. Uh, at Florida, you know, and like like JJ touched on, they are recruiting well. Uh, I, actually, I think it was Tom that touched on it, but they are recruiting well. And I think, like I said, they've got a really good quarterback in AR fifteen. Then, you know, I don't think they're going to challenge Georgia for the East this year, but they could they could very well finish second. And if they don't finish oh, yeah. second, I think they're third. Yeah, they could definitely get somewhere. Um, like you guys have both said, you know, Billy Billy Napier is a winner. He had a lot of success at uh, at Louisiana and just wants to continue that at Florida. That's, I mean, that's really the key to it is continuing the success that you had at a lower conference on the big stage now. And Florida is a big brand, so it's going to already, um, with the name, is going to bring – you know, players to be able to recruit, and you just gotta close, seal the deal, close the door on it, and yeah. and keep these guys coming in. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm excited to see it. He he's um, he's a talented head coach, so for sure. I, I will say this, you know, we're talking about how like, oh, Florida had a down year. They weren't that good. They they were within a two point conversion of no, beating yeah, Alabama. They were very close. To they beating they Alabama. were very very close to beating Alabama. So you knew they were a dangerous team. 
And also, you know, I've only talked about the quarterback. I'll be honest, I can't name another player who plays for Florida. <laughs> except, well, is Tyrone Truesdale still there? Or was he a uh, senior last oof, year? I don't know. I know. I and, and, uh, who was who was the other guy? Um, um, there was another defensive tackle who transferred to Florida from here. Um, I mean, I have no idea. I, can't, I know talent, though. Tyrone Truesdale. But anyway, yeah, you're you're always. Right. All of those major always Florida teams are always yes. going to be super talented, especially at the skill position. So you know he's going to have good players to throw to. He's going to have a good running game, uh, and you know I'm I'm interested to see how his uh, I'm interested to yeah. see how the Billy Napier tenure starts out. Yeah, because I, I think that they could become a very dangerous team for in the sure. East again for sure. And outside of Miami, really, that there's no you know big powerhouse competition right now. I mean, you have Florida State, you have I guess you could say UCF, but um, now that yeah. they're gonna, you know, they're they're a power five yeah, team now. Yeah, they, for as long they as the are. power five right. is still a Correct. thing, <laughs> right? Um, so you you know you kind of have an opportunity to really outside of Miami, they have Cristobal. That's you know they're gonna be yeah. a major program, but um, you can just kind of you know I'm keep, interested in that. I, yeah. I don't I don't know how much I believe the Cristobal hype. I've I've kind of had myself be talked out of it, even though I was a big fan of right. him going to Miami and I, I liked him a lot at Oregon. I've heard some things from people up in Oregon that made right. me go, I don't, maybe wonder. I don't. Yeah. I, it, it makes me, it gives me pause, you know. Oh. And it's interesting because I, I did want him when, when Gus Malzahn was fired. I, I, I looked very hard at Mario Cristobal right. as yes. a guy that I wanted here. Yeah. Um, ended up not happen, <clears throat> not happening. Obviously, <laughs> that ha- that happens occasionally, but we we do our best to ignore it. Um, um yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, transitioning over, we got some Braves. The Braves got a three-game series against the New York Mets now. Um, really excited to see. I mean, I kind of talked about it last week where uh, this will be exciting because I, I wanted this to happen where we were p- basically playing them to take the NL East from them. Yeah. You know, I think that sets up such a, a much bigger stage, a much more exciting stage. Um, and, you know, we got Max versus Max tonight, and it's it's going to be something to see for sure. Absolutely, you know, I think um, yeah, this this is probably the biggest series in baseball. I, I haven't looked around the rest of baseball to to really know, but it's it's like I said earlier in the show, it's certainly the biggest one that the Braves have had this yeah. so far this yeah. year, yeah. and it, it's it's very very funny poetic justice that Robinson Cano was released by the Mets earlier this year and is now going to play against them. Yeah. I, I hope that Cano walks us off in, in one of these games. <laughs> I hope wild. that he hits a walk-off. I, I don't know if that'll happen. I would rather all of these games just be blowouts and be done with it. Right. But you never know. Ty, but, you never know. Yeah. I, you know, as far as big series go, the, the series against the Dodgers where – uh, well, really, Wait, both when of them. Freddie came home. Well, but yeah. that, but they, but also, but also the one in L.A. Um, yeah. You already had the one in L.A. Right. Then you had the one here. Those are big because I mean that's that's your it's two. The that, yeah, well, it's yeah, the it's the Dodgers who everybody think is invincible right now, and right. plus it's the two teams that just battled in the NLCS yeah. last year. So yeah, those two series were important, but this one I think it has more importance because this is Within this is your division, division rival. Yeah. It's you and the Mets right now because. Nobody the else rest, is not relatively no, close. No, I mean, the, the Nationals are garbage. Bad. The Marlins have always been garbage except for a year or two. So the Phillies might be all right. The Phillies have been kind of yeah, okay. Inconsistent. But, but, I mean, really, it's the Mets and the Braves, and then after yeah. that, it's the Everybody rest. There's else. a drop-off. So, yes. yeah, the, those series against the Dodgers, those were cool. Those were big-time rivalry series yeah. as far as just the Name. National League goes. Yeah. But when you're talking about division – you huge. don't right now. You don't get any bigger division wise yeah. than Atlanta versus New York. No, truest part is going to be packed, and we're about to get that. And the Braves are only one and a half back. So, uh, 
we mentioned at the beginning of the show, just a month or so ago, the Mets looked like they were running away with this. Yes. They were and, at ten and a half up. Yeah, ten and a half up, and they didn't look like they were slowing down, and the Braves just could not seem to get out of their own way. And then Ozzy Albies goes down with the injury, and you had other injuries happen, and they just didn't look good. They just the Braves just did not look good. They just couldn't put it together. Here lately, the Braves have been just scorching hot, and the Mets have kind of – They've cooled off. They haven't tanked. They've been cooled good. Cooled off. Cooled they've off. They've been yeah. good, they but go. they are not – Cooled off. Yeah. Because I, I, tanked is definitely not what it is. They've cooled off, and they've cooled off enough that the Braves' red-hot play has been able to catch up to them. So you're sitting here game and a half back. You're yeah, at they, home. You've got this series going. I, yeah, I mean, I, I think it is absolutely the biggest series of the season so yeah. far for the Braves. Yeah, Mets just split their series versus the Marlins. Now they're coming Hello. into yeah. <laughs> now they're coming in to face us. Um, definitely something really um, that'll be exciting to see. Um, the Braves are favored right now, obviously, probably because they're the home team and yeah. it's it's playing. And they're they're the hotter team, right? For sure. And the hotter team, fifty three, fifty four percent relatively to. Um, is that BPI? Uh, yes. Yeah. Matchup predictor. Yeah, whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> that that ordeal. Um, Max Fried has won nine in a row. Nine of his last last starts, you know, started. Is out. that is that Max Fried has won nine in a row, or Max has, or the Braves have won nine of his last start? His nine, last nine starts. His last nine starts. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Always, which so, which makes. Well, so I mean, do you do you know how pitchers qualify for wins yeah, in baseball? Yeah, it's like how long the game have how long they've been in the game. Yeah, and, you have to pitch. You have to pitch for five right, innings. You have right. to pitch five complete as the starter, and you have to exit with a lead, and the team hold the lead. Right, and never give it give it up or tie it. And so um, it's it's really tough. It is it's tough. really tough. It's tough, tough to get a win. It's tough to yeah. pitch, man. Baseball's a hard sport. It is. Baseball's a hard sport, <laughs> it is, dude. I I think I've said on this show before, like, I I think personally that hitting a baseball is the hardest thing to do in sports because i've, right. I've said before, had this debate before yeah 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 if you fail seven seventy percent of the time that's you, you are considered one of the best right. of all time to do right. it you are right. one of the best to ever do it you're a guaranteed hall of famer if you fail 70 percent of the time yeah what, what do you think tom is that is that think baseball is the hitting a baseball is probably the toughest in everything to do in sports um out of all the sports, hitting a baseball. My uh, only thing is hockey, is just dribbling a hockey puck. Keeping, yeah. I mean, that's that's certainly tough, and I couldn't do it. I right. would, be, I would probably have a better chance of hitting a baseball because I can swing a bat. I can't skate. <laughs> I can't <laughs> skate. I, I, I'll. Say I this. could foul off a fastball right, if I right. knew it was coming. Right. They, so the the only thing that I could maybe compare it to because I have played a lot of this. Hitting a golf ball consistently where you need it to yeah, go, golf is tough. Golf is very tough. Is is very very tough. Yeah. Yes, very the ball technical. is not moving at a hundred miles an hour at you, and you're trying to hit it. Right. I get that, but also at baseball, you're not necessarily trying to. Uh, at least every single time, of course, there's times you're trying to hit it the opposite way. You you know you do different things to try to hit the opposite way. You try to do different things to pull, but. You know, in golf, you have to be so precise, and if one little thing is off, I mean, just by a minuscule thing off, the club face open, club face closed. Uh, I mean, if you lag behind or you get too forward, I mean, just the slightest little things in golf will send a golf ball careening off into Lord only knows where. At least baseball, if your technique is off and you're able to get on it, it's going to get into play. Right. And, you know, and that's fine. So – Golf is very, very difficult, but I will say 
the time that it takes for a ball to leave the hand, let's just say at 95 miles an hour, right? coming out of the hand, I think they say you have 0.5 seconds to decide. And then you have to still have the forearm right. speed and everything to get the yep. bat through to make contact, even in the 0.5 seconds. That you're deciding. Of, okay, I need to swing. You've still got to have the muscle strength to get that bat through mm-hmm. and be able to make contact. Otherwise, you can sit there and look at all day and go, Okay, that's strike. I'm going to swing at it, and it's in the mitt before you actually get yeah. the bat around. So, um, I, you know, I, it, it's hard to compare the two because, like I said, the golf ball's sitting on the ground, and it just takes a minuscule thing to screw that up. But as far as just hand-eye coordination to hit a 90-some-odd-mile-an-hour ball coming at you, I, I don't know that there's a more difficult task than that. Well, there you have it. Tom yeah. just broke it down. Yeah, I, it, the golf thing is interesting to me because I've never played golf. I've done top golf before and stuff like right. that. My, I guess if we're going argument counter argument here, I would say that you have guys like professional golfers will finish fifteen under all right. the time. They will always they will nine times out of ten send it where they want to go. But you're you're right. It is incredibly difficult. I certainly can't do it, and the average person cannot do it. The average high schooler cannot do it, and you right. will have guys in high school that are hitting. You know, they will hit 300, some hit 400. The really, really great ones that are going to Major League Baseball will hit between 450 and 500 in yeah. high school. But, again, they're not they're not looking at 95 as 16-year-olds. Yeah. yeah. But, but see, and I mean, that's – and going back to what I was saying, you know, when you're talking about a baseball, it's it's that one – that one thing is so difficult to see ball coming out of hand, decide you're going to hit yeah. it in that .5 seconds, and then being able to have that technique to get the bat through – is extremely difficult but then when you you know you look at the golf yeah the ball is not moving but uh how is the ball sitting in the grass how tall is the grass is the wind blowing at you is it wind blowing with you is the wind blowing side to side uh the direction that you're hitting the ball and the contours of the ground um i mean there's just so many things where the different factors where your target that you're hitting is it up is it back and the contour of that and so then what club do i need to use to try to get the ball there there's so many things. There's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot that goes into it. They go into just making one swing, and then you have to be so technically proficient to be able to get the ball to where you need it to go. And like I said, one thing is off, and you it's gone. And you see pros do it all the time. I mean, you see pros hit a shot and just launch the right. sucker, you know, 100 yards off into the woods somewhere. I mean, the pros do that too. Yeah. So – they're significantly the, less than we would, but right, sure. <laughs> but you know, so the 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 whole aspect of everything that goes into that is difficult. But again, the 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 idea of trying to hit a ninety some odd plus mile an hour fastball coming at you, being able to pick that up that it's just a that it's just a fastball yeah, that it's going to go straight that it's just going to be straight. And again, you're thinking point five seconds, point five seconds. To see a ball come out and try to pick up the spin, yeah. the rotation, can you see the dot? Can you see that dot right. on the ball to where it's rotating and you know it's going to yeah. break? Uh, do you not see the dot? Do you know it's going to be a fastball? But then pitchers know how to hold a ball different ways to make spin to deceive you. So you look and you see fastball, but as soon as you start swinging, it's bouncing in the dirt in front of you. Yeah. So, you know, yes, that that is – just so difficult that it, it, it it's hard to comprehend how difficult that is until you have actually had somebody throwing 90 miles an hour at you which yeah, fortunately for me i say fortunately um i have seen at least 91 i i have faced a guy that threw 91 i could imagine and, 
and that is uh, like i mean that's just insane yeah well no it's i wouldn't say it's not terrifying i mean as long as it's not coming at your head it's not terrifying. it's coming at your head it's i feel like that's kind of more reflex than you know registering i i need to get out of the way of this but but i'm but i'm telling you the first the first time that you see a pitch come at you that fast it gets there so quick that you're just like oh my goodness like that shock yes yeah it's shocking when you see ball released and then it's there, and it's right. like, yeah. oh, wow. So, so yeah, that that is just so, so incredibly difficult to, to master that skill. And, and that's why you don't see so many of these guys get to the highest level because that is a skill that is so difficult to master. I mean, there, there are guys that, that just, you know, they can be great high school, college players, and they see some great pitchers, but when you get up into the pro level and you see guys that can do some of the stuff that they do, the, it comes off yeah. the hand different. Oh, it, it yeah. does. And, and you've got bigger guys. I mean, you got a guy like Hunter Green that pitches at Cincinnati. You know, I watched him play in, in minor league ball in Montgomery when right. uh, the Chattanooga Lookouts came in. It, and you just think about a guy like that, the six foot seven. You're already looking at the guy on the mound. It's imposing guy, six foot seven Huge. dude out there on the mound. And then he's throwing 102 miles an hour at mm. you. And you've got to stand in there and Good, bro. and try to get your hands around on it. I'll try. Good luck. So, according to researchers from UC Berkeley, if a if you are hitting a ninety mile an hour fastball, it will leave the pitcher's hand and arrive at the catcher's mitt in 0.4 seconds. So, a batter has a court as according to this one quarter of a second to figure out My. whether or not they're going to swing the bat. My goodness. So you 0.25. Literally the blink of an eye. To yeah. Yeah figured yeah. out and what? that's that's 90 much less 95 100, which is closer to the average now and then you know you have a guy throwing 100 and then that's just a fastball again you've got breaking stuff that you don't know if it's gonna you don't know if it's gonna get on you in 0.25 seconds or if it's gonna be a breaking yeah. ball oh, you what a chase. Mental game. Hey, and, I, and yeah. i'll tell you this uh, you have to guess you have to say he's going to throw this pitch on this in the at this part of the sequence he's thrown me three fastballs in a row he's probably not going to throw me another one stuff like that and here here's another thing this comes from the mouth of an auburn baseball player i had a good chance to talk to uh case and howell just off the record just shooting yeah. breeze with case and howell and we were talking about tennessee and we we're talking about uh the kid that was throwing 105 yeah. right ben joyce ben joyce um uh, throwing 105 th- like broke the record right. against auburn yep and case and howell is the one who he hit 105 at uh, right. when everybody was showing it on ESPN. Mm-hmm. That was Casey Howell that was batting. Yeah. And I had a chance to talk to Casey and I, you know, ask him. I was like, you see 90s all the time. How big of a difference is that to the 105? And he just immediately is like, different. Just way different. <laughs> no, yeah. It's like, I mean, you, you don't sit there and really think about the difference between, okay, 90, 96, 97 mile an hour fastball like and 105. You're, you're like, it couldn't be that big of a difference. And he was like, oh, no, that is like – when a dude throws a 105-mile-an-hour ball, you it is, like, so far different than 96, 97, or even 98 yeah. that you just can't even fathom what that looks like, what that feels like, and what that ball is doing when it comes at you at 105. Yeah, I think it was Chipper Jones who I heard talking about this one time. He said from 90 to 95 is not that different. But once you get past 95, every tick up is just different. Yeah. It's It's a different experience. You know what else is a different experience? Sports call on a Monday. Sport. Well, <laughs> I was going to say standing in the batter's box with Thunder Chickens 
printed across your chest. That is certainly and, is and, and an experience. Bro, we it yeah. is a different experience. 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 We'll save that. We've got no. best and worst of the weekend and a worst uh, to well, talk about can, in, yeah. in just a little bit. I've got here. my worst, but it's not that. So uh, I'll let you handle it. A collective one. worst. A collective Thunder Chicken's worst. Yes, on uh, on this Monday edition of Sports Call. Stay tuned. One final break on our program. We're back in a moment. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Now back to more Sports Call with J.J. Jackson and the guys. All right, we're moving forward here on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show on this Monday. J.J. Jackson inside the studio alongside Tom PV, Brant Daughtry, and Cam Berry. As uh, we want to get you our best and worst of the weekend, we start with a Thunder Chicken's worst. And uh, our PR staff has released a public statement that we will read here in just a moment. Let's get to it. It's our best and worst of the weekend. Now, time for the best and worst No, no, no! of the weekend. Best and worst of the weekend. Here it is. Monday, July 11th, 2022. Thunder Chickens just released a statement. Who would like to read this for us? I'll let you read it. I'll read it for us. Here we go. Our statement that has been published. Third baseman and outfielder Brock Hart underwent an MRI on Friday that showed a complete tear of his left ACL and left meniscus. He will undergo season-ending surgery. The Thunder Chickens are thankful for Hart's strong contributions in two-thirds of an inning this (laughs) season. Hashtag cluck up. We... We had him for two outs. Yes. On the second out. Two great outs. He got the second out. He just tore. He blew his knee apart doing it. So, are the Thunder Chickens cursed? At that's the a major yes. worst. Yes. So, well, and it, it's also a worst because now we've lost a guy from from my fire department. So, Bronk is a guy that I recruited, that I brought in. Uh, he's a member of Southwest Fire Department. Cool dude. Too. Um. Oh, he's uh, yeah, really cool awesome guy. dude. Brock is an amazing, amazing dude. Uh, I wouldn't have brought him into the Thunder Chicken family if I didn't think he was yeah. would fit in. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to bring some jack leg in here that i don't think is going to be a good <laughs> fit for us so i brought brock in from southwest and uh i knew he was a ball player because i had seen him play uh once before and of course his very first practice very first pitch he sees he goes yard so i knew the guy could play i knew the guy had a powerful bat unfortunately we never even got to see him hit the oh, ball his first so inning ever bad. because he missed the first week he was out of town so right. this was his first game with the thunder chickens we were the home team playing defense first yeah for top of the first we already had one out and then uh he had a play that uh, uh well uh, a ball was thrown into second a guy was going to second was thrown into second and it uh got over brant and i was playing first and i came over back brant up got the ball and the guy took off towards third where brock was playing i threw to third Good old and classic game of pickle there you go uh brock got him in a rundown chased him back to second and right as the 
uh, he went to apply the tag. The guy tried to juke Brock, and Brock stopped, made the tag, but then Brock went down, and that's when he tore his knee. So we had him for all of two outs of the Thunder Chickens season. Uh, absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah. I hate to see it. It's always our third baseman, man. <laughs> well, it wasn't last year. I played third base. I didn't get injured. I, now, I got peppered with some balls. but Or at third base. I'll put it that at way. At third, okay. At third, because Sammy messed Sammy Coates had up. a little injury yeah. at third oh, base Oh, that's last right. That's too. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sam, I forgot Sammy hurt his shoulder. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that's a worst for the Thunder Chickens. A best yeah. for the Thunder Chickens. Uh, I guess we're closer to playing. Uh, and we'll be back we in action tomorrow. tomorrow. Supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, weather permitting, no, as right. always. As always, this time of year. Gotta love this. My summer. excitement is waning. I'll be dead honest. Gotta love like, I'm gonna go out there. To I'm hear. gonna do it. Yeah. I'm yeah. just kinda like Nye. I want have, to win. Yeah. Two games tomorrow. Yeah, Six thirty and eight thirty. Uh best of the weekend. Uh so my best of the weekend was getting to spend uh Thursday, Friday, and Saturday uh down in the Pensacola and Navarre, Florida area. Oh, I wanna go to the beach so bad, um, man. Well, you know, here's the crazy thing. Uh, me and my girlfriend, Michelle, went down there just to have a, a weekend just to get away. Yeah. We never went to the beach. What? So, well, well, here, well, I, I guess we kind of did, but we never, like, just sat on the beach right. on the Gulf yeah, side. Yeah, yeah. Our condo that we had backed up to the Santa Rosa Sound. So we looked out our window, and we're looking at Santa Rosa Sound. Okay. And then there's a pier or a dock, however you want to call it, that's right there. I spent a lot of time out on that, but we also had a patio, so Word. you know we had everything you needed, everything that we needed yeah, without yeah, having yeah. to go across uh, several lanes of traffic to the yeah. beach. Yeah. So to the actual beach. Mm-hmm. Now we went there. Uh, we went to Okaloosa Island to eat dinner, and so we were at the beach there. And then of course uh, Saturday we went to the uh, Blue Angel show at Pensacola Beach, nice. and so we were we had beach and everything there for that. Right. Um, the other thing that we didn't go to the beach is it was so daggum hot that really you didn't want to sit outside yeah. for an extended period of time. Too I, hot. I mean, it was brutal hot down there, and, and I mean, yes, that's not unusual, but it was uncomfortable. It was yeah. it was so uncomfortably hot that you just didn't want to sit in a just sit in down anywhere in just, one spot for an extended period of time. Word. Just brutal hot, but. It was great to be down there. I got to do some great fishing. Um, we got to eat some great seafood. Uh, we got to meet, um, again, meet uh, Michelle's uh, friend, author. Ernest Dempsey is a uh, 50-time published author. Uh, he and his family well were down there, so we went and met up with him at the Floribama. Had a great lunch with him and his family. Just a great time. A- absolute Excellent. great time to, to, to – uh, to uh, have a time Similar. away. I, w- I would say best of the weekend for me, uh, getting to spend time with family. Dad, stepmom in town, uh, was dog-sitting all of last week. Got to play some pickleball yesterday, which was really exciting and fun and a uh, good exercise out there. So uh, a really fun best of the weekend for me. Brant, what about your best of the weekend? My best of the weekend is very similar to yours. Talked about it a little bit earlier on the show. My parents came into town uh, on Sunday morning, and uh, we spent – a, bit, a little bit of the day together. We built a grill that I got for Christmas that's just been sitting in a box in my living room since then. Uh, <laughs> so now my living room is a lot more open and spacious. But, uh, yeah, we we, uh, we got that done, so now uh, I have a grill. And uh, Cam and I were talking about it earlier. I think at some point this year I'm going to, you know, we'll do a game day thing over there. All Maybe. Right. Maybe. We'll see how it all works out. 
you got a box out of the way and it feels more I have open. A, in I there. have a box out of the way and I yeah. have a grill on my porch Woo. and uh, you don't have to walk around said box in correct. the house anymore. Correct. Well, I didn't really have to earlier oh, because okay. I, 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 it was spacious enough to not have to do that. Right. But uh, but now yeah. more so. There's more That's spaciousness. Awesome. And glad you got the family time too on top of Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Cam, what do you have? I just had a great weekend of relaxing. Perfect. And it was great. That's and great. I was so happy. That's and great. I got Proud some taco Sunday, and it was just it was just good. It a, was good just a good weekend. weekend. Can't complain about that. All right, worst of the weekend. You got anything, Cam? Worst of the weekend? No. Tom Not wants me. story time, so we're going to get to Tom because yeah, uh, we're running out of time here, Tom. So uh, an abbreviated so, worst of the weekend. For so you, my everybody. worst of the weekend, uh, we had a great vacation, and then things took a turn for the Worst of the weekend, Saturday, (laughs) we wake up 3 o'clock in the morning in Navarre and drive over to Pensacola Beach for the Blue Angel Show. You have to get there early. They say if you get there and the sun is already up, you're not going to be able to park. So we got there. We left Navarre at 3, got over there, got a great parking spot, backed into a parking spot. We were sitting there just waiting for the sun to come up. Uh, We made a comment about somebody's headlights. I turned my truck off, and then it would not turn back on. My alternator was done. Yikes. So we went ahead, we did the show, uh, came back to deal with the truck. We had some friends come over, give my truck a jump start, because that time is like, we think maybe just the battery died. We start trying to drive out of the parking lot, and the truck starts sputtering, and it's just not wanting to go. So we stop, park. Uh, Michelle starts calling people. I start calling my insurance to try to get a tow. Uh, We get with the Pet Boys and Gulf Breeze. Tow truck is coming, then the tow truck cancels. So then we have to drive. We'd already been sitting for two and a half hours. So now I try to drive my truck. I I risk it, drive my truck, and we get to the Pet Boys in Gulf Breeze, but they can't work on it uh, that day and would not be able to fix it until Monday. Uh, Fortunately, the guys there at Pet Boys made a lot of phone calls trying to find somebody that could work on it on Sunday. Pet Boys in Milton, Florida, originally said they couldn't do it. Then they called him back and said they could. So we knew Milton, Florida, Pet Boys, We'll fix my truck. But then we were still 27 miles away from our condo with no vehicle. Fortunately, Pet Boys uh, had a uh, one of their techs was getting off work there and uh, gave me and Michelle a ride all the way to our condo. So shout out to Pet Boys there. Sunday, Michelle's dad came, got us at the condo. We loaded up, drove to Milton, Florida. They towed my truck from Gulf Breeze to Milton. And the Pet Boys guys in Milton got my truck fixed. And we were finally back in route to Auburn at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So, yeah, all all, great. That is awful. Great vacation. And then all of a sudden it just went to pure insanity crap right there. No vehicle just and we had to be checked out of our condo at 10 10 a.m. on Sunday. So we couldn't get the condo for another day, even if we could. But I had to be back at work Sunday night. It just it was an epic mess. But we got it figured out. I got my truck running, got a new alternator and uh I don't wish that scenario (laughs) on anybody ever because that was a nightmare. Makes for quite the story, though, that's for sure. Yeah, but oof, that was awful. All right. Blue Angels are awesome, though. That's cool. That is cool. (laughs) Let's do our our, uh, nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. All right, it's our nightly TV guide brought to you by our friends over at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Stop at your local TK's convenience store. Pick up a variety pack of White Claws. Pretty awesome. Uh, tonight, NBA Summer League action. The Houston Rockets featuring Jabari Smith Jabari. and the San Antonio Spurs at 6 o'clock on ESPN, 6 o'clock on Disney Channel. Aladdin, 
the 2019 version of oh, the movie. That's what not JJ's what You not know JJ's watching that. I'm going to be tuned in. I'm ready for it. Not uh, as good. The New York Mets and the Atlanta Braves tonight at 6 on FS1. Ant-Man and the Wasp at 6.30 on TNT. I like that movie. You're going to be watching that one after the Disney Channel. Yes. Uh, and then Logan at 6.35 on FX. M. Freaking amazing. There's another movie pick for you. Tons of great things to be watching on television a little bit later this evening. Cinema. Go Braves. Long live Bill Bailey's Monday nightly TV guides that he nightly TV guides that he used to do where he would find a million and one different reasons to roast me. Or, uh, or me. Threw a little bit of shade your way, Tom. I just, I, yeah. whatever reason, I felt like it was always me getting yeah. the heaviest dose. You did. Yeah. You got uh, the that was my favorite part of the show before I was actually on the show yeah. when I knew I was going to be here. And I just started listening to it before I actually got right. here. Listening to Bill Bailey just destroy you yeah. was amazing. It'll come back soon, I'm sure. It'll come back soon, I'm sure. Well, I, enjoy, I, I enjoy getting roasted because I always roast him right back. Right. So. I would try to, and I'd be like, well, that wasn't too good. i got to work on my roasting skills. Tom, thanks for being here. We'll see you on Tuesday. Glad to be back. Looking for it. Uh, You'll see me Wednesday. You'll see me Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday for Thunder Chickens. Tuesday for Thunder Chickens, Wednesday on the show. There you go. Yeah, I know how things work. Brant and Cam, thanks for being here, guys. We'll see you soon. Thank you for having me. Uh, That does it for today's show. Thank you to Andy Burcham and Brandon Marcello for joining us on Sports Call today. Again, for Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry, and Cam Berry, my name is JJ Jackson. Thank you, and good day.